welcome to episode 117 of the So Video Games podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we will be talking about it. Today, we are recording on February 4th, 2019. The year that was January has finally ended, and it is now the beginning of February, also 10 days from Valentine's Day, which is something I forget about as I get older. Um, But anyway, my name is Corey Motley. I'm a staff writer at Game Critics. I'm also 50% of this show. Joining me as always is my lovable partner in crime, Brad Galloway. He is the editor of Game Critics. How are you, Brad? I, and in addition to being the cutest criminal ever, I am also fine. <laughs> I'm offended. I wanted to be the cutest criminal ever. There can only be one. It's just like the Highlander. <laughs> okay, fine. You can take it. That's fine. Because otherwise, I mean, one of us is going to have to cut the other's head off, and I don't really want to go there, so. Oh, my God. No, thank you. <laughs> moving on, moving on. Yes, do you have, I, I heard... Do you have some housekeeping notes for the show this week? A couple. Yeah, usually I, I'm good on the housekeeping. I keep a pretty tidy house, but we've got some stuff to tidy up this week. Uh, thank you for bringing that up, by the way. Uh, so just as kind of an FYI to the listeners, I'm about to start a huge project at work. Uh, I'm not going to talk about it very much, but just as a quick heads up, I am uh, working on Romeo and Juliet, which is going to be playing at the Act Theater in Seattle in March. Um, so we're starting rehearsals and pre-production uh, PR and all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to be behind the scenes working on that. It's going to be a pretty fantastic play. If you are in the Pacific Northwest or you will be around March, please come and check it out. It's going to be a guarantee. And this is not hyperbole. This will be unlike any Romeo and Juliet that you have ever seen. And hopefully this one will be kind of a standard set uh, for the future. But uh, I'm going to be doing that for the next at least month solid. Going to be working mad hours every day, basically six days a week. So we're still going to be able to record. Luckily, uh, Mondays are my one day off, and that's usually the day when we're recording lately. So I think that'll be fine. But I just wanted to give a heads up to people. I'm probably not going to have a lot of time to actually play anything. I think that's really the challenge. Um, So we're still going to record. There's no there's no plan to, like, put it on hiatus or anything. You can still look forward to weekly episodes. And I mean, Corey might have to do some of the heavy lifting as far as gameplay goes, and we may end up just doing a lot more banter for the next four shows, or maybe we'll just do a lot more Q and a or something. I mean, I don't know. I'm still going to try to play games when I can, but I just, I know what it's like from having been on productions like this before. I'm probably not going to get a lot of game time in. And I, you know, I don't want to deliver a show. That's not good. I want to keep bringing the content to our listeners that they like every week, but just, I mean, just straight up folks expect a little bit less new games talk for the next four weeks. We'll do our best and at the end of February, things will, will lighten up and we'll go back to business as usual. So any thoughts, Corey? Um, I have been thinking recently, and I didn't even, I haven't disclosed this to you because it's been like one of those very brainstormy, just like tiny thought in my head and not anything that I thought was serious enough to act upon. But maybe this is a good time to bring it up. Um, it occurred to me that maybe, and I'm not saying we have to do this. I was just kind of thinking about it in my head. Um you know, there's always room for us to introduce, like, 
a new segment into the show or like a new like thing that we talk about weekly, you know, whether it's like new news and we like, you know, kind of talk about some game news that's been happening or, you know, if we do like a and a for every episode or something like that. So I was like thinking about that the other day in case like either of us are ever light on games, because especially I know lately I basically have been playing Resident Evil like almost exclusively for the past like two weeks and I obviously can't come to the show week after week after week and be like oh here's my Resident Evil 2 update because that would be boring um and plus I'm waiting you're currently playing it right now so we're gonna do kind of a deep dive later whenever you're finished um so like I don't know if you have any ideas or listeners if you guys have any ideas about maybe like segments that you would want us to do or like anything interesting you would like us to talk about that we could kind of bring back like weekly or bi-weekly or anything like that please let us know I mean we obviously can never guarantee that we'll be able to do it or that it'll be something that we would personally be interested in. But if you have any brainstorming ideas or anything, uh, please let us know because we're always game to like mix up the show format a little bit and try new things. So, um, you know, maybe we could try something like that in the future. Yeah, that's a great suggestion. If anybody listening has uh, thoughts or something you'd like us to talk about or topics or a new, yeah, I mean, a new segment. I'm always up for a new segment if it's something that we can do or something that's interesting people like to listen to. So anybody that has any ideas, please let us know. And I mean, in the next four weeks, I guarantee we're going to be hurting for content because, (laughs) you know, just because of the way things are falling in real life. So we will do our best. uh, But, you know, everybody needs a helping hand once in a while. If there's anything you'd like to talk about, let us know and we'll see what happens. I mean, but, but regardless of all that stuff, we'll still do shows. We'll still get the content out. I mean, that's not going to stop. It just, you know, we may not have like a dozen new games to talk about a week. So we'll see what happens. Um, So that was agenda item number one. The other agenda item, just really quickly, just a brief mention. We don't often do breaking news here on the show. uh, But we do have a little bit of breaking news that just happened today. Uh, The people who, Respawn Entertainment, who are responsible for Titanfall and Titanfall 2, which are two of my son's most favorite games in the whole world, and which games I've also actually enjoyed quite a bit myself, uh, we were wondering what they were going to do next. We didn't know what was in store for them. Titanfall 3, something else entirely. They have just come out today, literally released today with like exactly like two days worth of PR. Uh, I first heard about this on Saturday, this past Saturday. Now it's Monday. So like literally 48 hours of a little bit of PR and boom, the game is out. It's called Apex Legends. It's available on PC, PS4, Xbox One, literally right now. It's only been out for like a couple hours as of the time we're recording this. My son is downloading it as we speak. I haven't downloaded it yet, but I will. Apparently, it is a free-to-play battle royale, which does not have giant mech suits, which I think a lot of people were surprised by, but I think it does have the same kind of parkour, jetpacky, wall-running sort of action that it was known for when you were not inside of a titan and i don't know much more about it other than that i don't know if it's in the same universe as titanfall maybe yes maybe no i don't know what the in-app purchases are going to be like i don't know what the structure is going to be like other than the fact that it's some kind of a battle royale basically i know nothing about it except for hey here it is literally right now available for download out of the blue Total surprise. So I will download it after the show and check it out. I'm sure my son is going to check it out too. Corey, is this something that you'd be interested in, in poking around? Um, I am normally not up for stuff like this, but I think, I mean, given that it's like free to play and it kind of takes place in the Titanfall universe, which I loved Titanfall too. So, um, you know, I think this might actually be, I mean, there's no, I really have nothing to lose, I guess is what I should say here. So I will probably download it. I'll give it a shot. Um, who knows? Maybe if, 
our schedules line up, you and I can try it together or something like that, and we can kind of bring it to the show and talk about our experience with it. Um, but yeah, I think, um, yeah, I've got nothing to lose for this, so I might as well download it and give it a shot in the future. All right. I'm going to download it. You download it. My son will download it. Maybe I'll get the wife to download it. Maybe we'll get together. Maybe we won't. Who knows? But it's free, so nothing's really lost except for the time it takes to download. Uh, I'm guessing maybe we'll talk about it next week since we'll probably be hurting for topics. Um, so I guess we'll have an update. But it's pretty rare that a game drops basically out of the blue like this. So I don't know if that's a show of strength and confidence or if that's uh, we're sending this out to die. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, but we'll find out. And I, I like you. I also really greatly enjoyed Titanfall 2. So I'm hoping for the best for these guys. We'll see what happens. But more to come. And that is the end of my housekeeping. Thank you for uh, bearing with me with that segment there. And we can uh, roll on with the show. All right. Let's do it. Um, I have no housekeeping this week, which is weird because I'm always the one that brings dumb housekeeping to the show. Um, but none this week. All we have is smart housekeeping for the show this week because it's all stuff that you said. And now we're going to move on to games chat. Um, Brad, I feel like for most of this games chat, you and I are pretty much going to be doing the exact same thing where it's like, oh, I played a game for 10 minutes and then didn't really like it and I'm done playing it. Um, but I don't want to like pre-plan the stuff that you're going to talk about. So what you've got the floor first. So what do you want to talk about first? Uh, well, I think that you are 99% accurate. The only <laughs> the only thing that you are not accurate about uh, is this very first one I'm going to talk about, which I actually did like. The rest of them, I'm going to be dumping on pretty hardcore. So you were not—you were actually not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, I don't play a lot of mobile games lately because I have Marvel Puzzle Quest, which, I mean, honestly, the more mobile games I play, the better Puzzle Quest seems just because of how generous it is and how smartly designed it is and how you can drop in and out. I mean, it basically fills all of my mobile needs. But every once in a while, I will do everything on Puzzle Quest, and there's nothing really for me to do for, like, another day or so. Like, you finish the events, or there's nothing... No, no contests going on, or you, you'll hit a lull once in a while, um, and that's fine. I don't need to play it all the time. But I'm like, I need to have some kind of a backup mobile game for when I get stuck at work, or when I'm, you know, just somewhere and I need to kill five or ten minutes. I got to have something to do. And I was poking around the Google Play Store because I'm on an, uh, a a a Android phone now. This made the switch a while ago. I think we talked about that a couple episodes ago. Uh, and I found a game called Enyo. E N Y O. Uh, it is kind of hard to describe. It's not a roguelike at all, but it's just a game where you play, I don't know, kind of like a Greek-themed soldier warrior kind of a dude. It's very simple. It's uh, 2D graphics. Uh, each the, the size of your phone screen is one entire map, so there's nothing off of your phone that you can't see. And it's kind of like a slash between puzzle and combat. So your guy, your, they, they, it kind of looks like... Um, like, if you look at a Greek vase, when you see, like, the art style that's on the side of a Greek vase, like, uh, the 2D, black, kind of silhouette shapes, like, very stylized, artistic that you would find on a vase that's, like, 2,000 years old. It kind of looks like that. So it's got a cool little aesthetic to it. And basically, you get dropped into these rooms, which have little squares that you have to walk around, and little pits of lava and stuff. And the point is you need to kill all the enemies in the room. And your dude has a shield that he can run forward, hold the shield in front of him, and he'll push dudes into spikes or he'll push them into lava. <laughs> he's got a grappling hook, so he can pull them into a lava pit if he's standing on the opposite side of it. Like, he'll drag them into the lava. He can jump, and when he lands, he will stun people, and he can also throw his shield. That's literally all you can do. Four, four motions, that's all you got. Uh, throw the shield, jump, and stun, grappling hook, and shield charge. 
So there's a whole bunch of monsters in there. There's like a little minotaur. There's like a, a Greek soldier kind of guy. I think there's like a Medusa. You know, like it all goes with the Greek theme, which is pretty cool. I'm kind of down with that. And basically you just have to figure out how to get all these guys dead. I mean, it's turn turn by turn, turn-based. And so after you take your turn, everybody else in the level takes their turn. And so it's all about positioning and trying to bait people into walking into a bad position for them so that you can drag them in lava or, or push them into spikes or something. Um, it's very simple. It's very simple to understand. Like, it only takes, like, two minutes to learn the rules. And it's very easy to to comprehend because it's small. Each level is the size of your phone, and there's not much on the screen. Graphics are simple. There's no nothing to manage. There's no menus or anything. So it's all very easy to, to grok. But it's hard. It's, it's incredibly hard. Um, the point of it is to complete 10 levels and then you win the game. And I have gotten as far as three. I have not gotten any further than three levels. I'm still playing a little bit every night, but man, it is really tough. Like you really have to think a couple of moves ahead. So it's very chess-like. And you have to think about, well, what's the best move that I can do? Should I grapple this guy? But if I grapple this guy, then that's going to put me in a position over here. And then this guy's going to shoot me. Okay, well, that's not a good thing. But if I shield charge... That'll get rid of this guy, but then my back's exposed to the guy behind me. And so you're constantly, like, kind of thinking about scenarios um, of what's the best move, where are you going to end up when the move is over, how many guys can you take out in one move. And, you know, it's very cerebral, despite looking so simple on the surface. So um, I like it a lot. I like it a lot. It's, I play maybe two, three rounds a night. I don't really get very far, but I enjoy what I play because I feel like it's deep enough to where my brain is really being challenged, but simple enough that it's a good fit for a phone. Like, you don't have to manage anything. You don't have to remember where you left off. You don't have to, you know, you don't forget the story because there is no story. It's just a really cool feeling, well put together puzzle slash combat game. I think I bought it for like one or two bucks or something, and it was definitely worth it. And it has earned a permanent place on my phone, at least until I finish it, uh, which could potentially be never. So it may <laughs> be on my phone for eternity. Uh, but I like it a lot. I think it's really good. If you like grappling hooks, if you like puzzle slash combat games, if you want something that's a good fit for a phone, I dig it. I like it a lot. Um, probably will never beat it, but I like it. So that once again, that's Enyo, E-N-Y-O. Corey, thoughts? Um, Brad, I have a secret to tell you. Did you make this game? No, I didn't. I'm not smart enough to make this game. Oh, okay, what's your secret then? Um, while you were talking about this game, I downloaded it on my phone and I've already been oh, playing it. Oh, <laughs> shit. Did you get two rounds in while I was talking? Uh, I'm in the tutorial right now. Um, cause I was like, oh, I just want to see if it's on the Apple app store. And it was, and it's, um, it has in-app purchases, but it's like free initially whenever you download it. And I was like, well, it's it free. Does? So, I mean, it, well, I don't know if it does, but it says like free with in-app purchases or something. Weird. I, cause I looked, I didn't see any in-app purchases in the Android store. I wonder if it's different on iPhone uh, or maybe or I, missed I don't know. Something. I could be mistaken. I'm not sure. Oh, but... anyway, anyway. So, all right. So you're looking at it. Did I, do you feel like I did a pretty okay description? I feel like you did an excellent uh, job describing it. The thing that, um, I don't have a ton of experience with mobile games, but the thing that, Whenever you were talking about, because whenever you were talking about it, I was thinking like, oh, so you have to think about it kind of like chess. So then you were like, oh, it's like chess. And I was like, oh, perfect. That's exactly what I was thinking. But um, it kind of reminds me a little bit of like, um, like Hitman Go in a way, too, because you have to like think about like, I mean, that's all about like movement and puzzle and have to think ahead. You have to think like three moves ahead of what you want to do totally, rather than totally. just like every single move you do, which is good because I like those kind of games. But it's bad because I'm bad at them because I'm not good at like 
planning that kind of stuff, uh, like that many moves ahead or something like that. Um, but uh, I don't know. It's I'm like literally looking at it on my phone right now, and I just hooked a dude into a lava pit, so I'm feeling pretty good about that. Um, I mean, it has it has a grappling hook, and that's like your one of your number one things. But does it have a jetpack? I don't think it has a jetpack. I think that would be a little much to ask because it would have the classic Greek theme plus a grappling hook plus a jetpack. I mean, that would be the best game ever made. I don't think that they're going to do that. But uh, dink around with it. Let me know what you think. Um, definitely chess-like. Definitely need to move a couple moves ahead. I am not great at those games either. And like I said, I haven't gotten past level three, but I've really been enjoying it. I think it's worth a download, and uh, it seems like a very quality purchase. I've been through a lot of shit on the uh, <laughs> mobile store lately. I have, I have downloaded and instantly deleted so many games. This is one of the only ones where I'm like, okay, this actually seems like a legit game. This actually seems like something that has some design to it. This actually seems like it has something that has some thought to it. Oh, my God. If you had seen how many games I've been through... To find even one that's even remotely okay is like finding that a proverbial needle in a haystack. So I'm very happy that I found Enyo, and I'm still going to plink away at it. And uh, I, like I said, I may never finish it, but I definitely enjoy it. Let me know what you think. Maybe we can do a, a follow-up next episode or something. We can do a spoilery deep dive on Enyo, because I'm sure there's a <laughs> lot of story to be spoiled in it, right? <laughs> oh, God. All of the dramatic turns. Once you're at level six, you won't believe what happens. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, let me jump ahead to my other game here real quickly. This is going to be a much... So so every other game for the rest of this episode is something that I don't care for. So just putting that out there on Front Street. Uh, the next one I picked up was Salary... Wait, no, no, no. Salary Man Escape. Salary Man Escape. Uh, this was originally a VR title, and then it got a flat mode later on because apparently they did not sell enough uh, with PSVR. So it's... Something that very much caught my attention, I had been looking at it in the store for a long time because the aesthetic is really cool. Like you have this kind of abstract levels that look like they're kind of made of Jenga blocks and you have a guy who is a salary man, a Japanese salary man, which if people don't know, I mean, I'm sure most people listening to the show know, but like in Japan, it's kind of like this whole thing where you're like one of these million middle management drones where you just like slave your whole life away and you wear a business suit and tie and you're really like unfulfilled. And you don't have any power to move up, and you can't quit, and like it's—I mean—it seems like a really hopeless existence, uh, the way that it's portrayed here in the West. I mean, maybe there's more to that trope um, in Japan, but that's kind of like how people use it here in the West. So you are a salaried man who wants to escape his life, escape his job, or just—I guess—just escape. So <clears throat> it's a puzzle game, and what you do is you start at the beginning of a level, and like each level is like, like I said, it's, it looks like it's made of Jenga blocks, kind of. You have to get to the exit. There's always an exit door. And you can rotate the the blocks around. You can, like, look up and look down and look from any angle. So, you know, imagine this with a PSVR helmet where you should be, you know, tilting your head or kind of getting a good look at it. What you have to do is you have to pull out the right Jenga block at the wrong time in order to make the other Jenga blocks fall. And then it will, if you do it correctly, it will create a path for the salaryman to escape. Now, he cannot jump, so it has to be either small stairs or a ramp and there cannot be any gaps because he won't be able to get over those. There has to be a clear path from the beginning to the exit in order for him to escape. So it really hooked me right away just from looking at it because I like the idea of it. The The visuals are very cool, very minimalist. I like the aesthetic of it. It actually reminded me a lot of um, Intelligent Cube, which we talked about when we talked about the 
PS1 micro console. Remember when we did the game by game breakdown of that? Um, yes, I do. Are you playing your game right now, Corey? No, I swear I'm not. Okay. I might have just thrown my shield into somebody, though, and then used my hook to you, retrieve you, uh, <laughs> Okay. Okay, so my first recommendation is a good one. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> so uh, Intelligent Cube, which I discussed on the PS1 micro console breakdown show, was like an amazing puzzle game that not anybody played, nobody knew about. Uh, it had the same kind of sense of like escaping business, escaping a corporation, uh, just escaping in general. So that must be a common theme for these kind of games. Uh, but I loved I loved Intelligent Cube. I think it's a fantastic game. This reminded me of that a lot, like the same kind of vibe. So I started playing it, and I think I probably quit it in about 15 minutes or so. Um, <laughs> the soundtrack is wonderful. I will say it has an amazing soundtrack. I love the music, and I don't say that often, but it's got a great funky Japanese jazz soundtrack. Very cool. Uh, but the problem is the controls are just fucked up. Like, it just does not translate well to... A controller, or to be specific, I think it could easily translate well to a controller, but the people who did it were like dumbasses and tried to keep or like do as little work as possible. So, like, I imagine that if you had a move controller, it would work a certain way, uh, or however they decided to do it, but it just it just doesn't work that well flat. It's hard to get things to move around. They want you to use the light on the back of your PS uh dual shot controller, so like the game is somehow tracking your motion with the the light and so you're using that instead of the buttons or the stick and like use the shoulder buttons and so it's just it's a mess it's a mess like it doesn't feel good to control the other thing that's a problem is sometimes the physics don't really seem very consistent so like you'll push a jango block some ways and then the, the blocks above it will fall that makes sense but sometimes they don't fall or sometimes they don't like bend the way like if there's one that's just hanging on by a corner it'll go it'll stay straight and you're like well i wanted this thing to, to tilt but it's not tilting and in the real world, it would tilt, but it's not tilting here, but it tilts another time, and I'm not sure exactly why. Uh, so the physics seemed kind of inconsistent, which is a real problem in a game like this because it's all about physics and moving the pieces around. Um, the other thing was, like, you can get through maybe three-quarters of it, and the levels are really fast if you know what to do. So I got through about three-quarters of the game in about, you know, like 10, 15 minutes. I just blew through them one by one. But the problem is to get to the end of the game, you have to earn these bonus coins that are scattered throughout the levels. And I had no idea how to get to them. Like they'll be out off to the side of a map and I have no idea how to get the guy to go out there. Like the, the Jenga blocks don't seem to go out there. Like I don't understand. Maybe there's a trick I'm missing or maybe I'm just not smart enough. I don't know. So I wasn't able to get any of the coins that you needed to collect in order to unlock the later levels. And I couldn't unlock the later levels. So I got as far as I could get. And then I'm like, okay, this is just irritating now, and I'm not going to do it anymore, so I'm done. So I, I like the way it looks. I like the way it sounds. It's a cool idea, but they really should have put some more time into making it work on a flat screen. And honestly, just the game in general just seems like it needs more work. Like, it could be a really cool game if they polished it and um, just gave it some more time in the oven. I think it would be worth something, uh, worth something we're talking about. But as it is now, it feels like a really quick VR kind of cash-in that uh, just didn't quite get there for me so unfortunately cannot recommend that one do you think it would be improved in vr or not at all i don't think so because the problems that i had like were mostly just the physics and i mean maybe the controls might be better but i mean there's no reason they need to be so shitty on a controller like they could easily work it's not a very complicated game so maybe it controls better but i don't think that otherwise the problems would be any better because i could still see things i mean it wasn't like I couldn't tell where things were. It just, the physics were weird. And I just, 
I just, I don't know. I just couldn't figure out what to do to get those bonus coins. And I didn't, I just, I, maybe I'm just not smart enough for the game. Oh my God. I'm always not smart enough for the game. Um, right. I, every game I play. Um, I was watching a trailer for this before we started recording and it kind of looked like it had a weird, like, um, sort of like depressing introspective, like yes, yes, thing yes. going on. So does it make you just like want to kill yourself whenever you're playing the game? No, I mean, it was pretty good because along with the theme of being the sailor man who wants to escape, like between levels, you'll get like these fake emails from PR where it's just like totally <laughs> crushing your soul. It's like, oh, you know, uh, casual Friday is coming up. So please take your uh, casual wear that we have signed to you. And, you know, you're only allowed to wear this casual wear between these hours. And, you know, like it's totally bullshitty. Just like oh whatever awful corporate stuff comes out. Like it's like it's actually pretty cool in some ways. It just doesn't play very well. And it's not fun, but, like, the tone, the theme, the idea, the concept, the aesthetics, it's all in point. I just don't like the way it plays, which is unfortunate. So it's 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 cute. And, I mean, they're trying to make a little meta point there, but, uh, eh, I don't know. Mm, that's anyway. a bummer. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. It feels like a missed opportunity, honestly. But, anyway, enough of Salaryman Escape. Uh, let's, let's shift it over to you, Corey. You are playing a game that I've heard about a lot but I have zero experience with. It's called Paranautical Activity. From what I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's some kind of a first-person shooter, but there's also kind of a roguelike element, and I think it just came to the Switch. Is that where you're playing it? What's what's up with Paranautical Activity? You are, I think you're right on every count here. Um, I don't know when it came out because I just saw it on the Switch store and bought it. I, I am playing it on Switch, but... Um, it's one of those games, like you talked about last week, how the Switch is always having, like, you know, like, ball and sales on stuff. And I was looking at the sales, uh, the weekly deals or whatnot on the Switch store, and this was, like, $1.50 or something. And I was oh, like, hey, man. like, even oh, if man. a game doesn't end up being good or it's not something I'm super interested in, like, I can afford to pay $1.50 for a game. So I did, and I downloaded it. And it is pretty much what you said. It's a first-person roguelite. I mean, roguelite with a T, uh, according to the game itself, um, where it's got kind of like old-school sort of like... It kind of looks like Minecraft, like, a little bit. Um, you know, like, really, like, blocky graphics. It's kind of like... Uh, I mean, paranautical activity, you know, it's kind of... Um, and the theme of, like, paranormal stuff, it's, there's kind of, like, demons in it, but they're, like, you know, obviously kind of blocky and, like, slightly cartoony looking. Um, there's, like, these giant sort of, like, eyeballs with, like, bat wings that shoot fireballs at you. It's just sort of, like, that kind of, like, themed stuff. And whenever you start the game, you choose from different, I mean, I hesitate to say characters because it's first person, so you can't really see them, but it's, like, different characters and each has their own weapon. There's two weapons that you have um, that each character has, or at least most characters have. Um, one is like a shotgun and like a samurai sword and one is like a sickle and like a grenade launcher or something. Um, one is just a crossbow and I think it's just a crossbow. I don't think there's a second weapon. Um, and you can like switch back and forth between the weapons as you're playing, but I think you have limited ammo on the weapons. Uh, but it is, it's just a roguelite. So it just spawns you in this room. There's stuff to kill after you kill the stuff in the room you just kind of like move to the next room and there's different things you unlock sort of as you play it which i guess gives it the the light versus like nature um but i okay so i don't know what it is about like first person roguelites and roguelikes because i feel like like once every like 
three months, I play a new one and I bring it to the show. And every single time I'm like, yeah, I just don't really like roguelites. And then like three months later, I'm like, oh, guess what? I tried a new roguelite and I still <laughs> don't like it. Like, I don't know what it is about this genre that like makes me, I'm not even like particularly like trying to get into it. I think it was just like, I saw it on the Switch store. It was really cheap. And I was like, okay, like it looks like it has kind of like neat graphics and you know, whatever, you know, it's first person. I'm always interested in playing sort of like, um, like kind of like reflexy like first person shooters on switch because i don't think the switch is the best um console for like very like kind of like quick tactical aiming and shooting but i still like want to try it because maybe there will be like that one game that'll like really do it for me i mean so far doom the port of doom has probably been the best um as far as like fast shooting um it's kind of like set the standard on switch for me um, but the thing that I really don't like about this game is that it doesn't fucking tell you shit whenever you start. Like, oh, God. It, it, like, spawns you into, you know, you have, like, the title screen, and it's, like, you have, like, one, there's, like, one game mode, and there's other ones you can unlock, but I don't know how to unlock it because the game doesn't tell you how to do that. Um, so you have the one game mode, you have, like, the options menu. You press the the whatever starting game mode you want to play, and then you select between the characters, and I think there's only, like, three or four to start with. I don't know if there's more to unlock. I'm not really sure. And then it just, like, spawns you into the game, and then it's just like, all right, go shoot. Like, it doesn't give you a tutorial on how to move, on how to jump, on how to walk, on how to shoot, on how to use um, your secondary weapon, on how to do anything. It just, like, spawns you, and then you just go. And, like, I'm the kind of person where, I know I've said this before on the show, where, like, I like a game to tell me what to do. Like at the very, at the very least, tell me what each button does when I start the game, make me press the button one time to know what it does, and then cut me loose. Like this game doesn't even do that. There's like obviously in the options menu, you can look at the control layout, but that's like the least intuitive way to remember the controls because all you're doing is looking at a map of the controls and then you have to like match each whatever action to each button and then you have to remember it. It doesn't like let you practice it. So it just, like, spawns you in, and you only have... You can only take, like, a handful of hits before you die. And so it's just, like... I mean, it's just a roguelite. Like, you go in, you shoot a bunch of stuff, you die, and then you, like, start over, and then you die, and then you start over, and then you die, and then you start over. And, like, I kept... I tried every, um, like, layout of every weapon or every character or whatever, like, probably one, one or two times... And, like, one of them, the guy's main weapon is, like, a grenade launcher, and it just, like, shoots these, like, bombs. And they're, like, really hard to aim because it's just these bombs that, like, lob out of it. So it was, like, difficult to aim them. And some of the enemies are, like, flying in the air, and it's, like, hard to, like, shoot a grenade that has, like, an arc, like, into the air in order to, like, make it land on something that's, uh, that's like, flying. And so I was just, like, having a really hard time. And I would, like, unlock stuff. Like, I did a room... And I, I killed everything in it without taking any damage. And it was like, oh, you unlocked whatever this thing, you know, for not taking damage. Almost like an achievement or something. But I don't know, like, what the thing does or how to get it or if there are, like, item chests somewhere or if it just tells me that I unlocked it just to let me know that I unlocked it and doesn't, like, actually do anything. So, like, I unlocked a few things and I was like, okay, this is all, like, well and good, but, like, what does this mean? Like, what am I supposed to be doing? Like, is this, like, an item I can use? Is this something I can pick up? Like... Just not really sure what is going on here and so and like the other weird thing is like you have if you're holding the switch with the regular controllers like on the sides the joy cons you have the r and the l buttons which are the shoulder buttons and then you have zr and zl which are like the r2 and the l2 of the controller 
99% of games out there should be 100%. The ZR and the ZL should be the shoot buttons. Which, which are the triggers. Yeah, which are the triggers, just like in R2 or L2. Um, for some stupid reason in this game, the R and the L, like the R button is the shoot button, and it feels so weird and unintuitive to press the R button to shoot. Like, it sounds like such a dumb thing, but it just doesn't feel right pressing that button to shoot. And the game does not have remappable controls, so you're stuck with the controls that it gives you. I mean, at least it lets you invert the Y-axis. Like, thank God you can do that. But, like, you can't move the controls. Like, I feel like maybe I would have liked the game, like, a tiny bit better if I could have, like, used the ZR or the right trigger, if you will, to at least shoot because the right bumper or the R button is usually, like, I don't like a sub-weapon or, like, a reload or, you know, something like that or, like, a weapon wheel. And it just feels weird to use that to shoot. And so, like, I played it for probably about... 20 minutes. I think I probably died about six or seven times. I think I only got about four rooms deep on my best one. Cause it's kind of one of those games too, where you like spawn into the first room and it has like pretty like easy enemies. And then like the second room is like a boss room. And I'm like, okay, like, can we like slow all your roll a little bit here? Like you don't even tell me what any of the buttons do. You don't give me any kind of tutorial at all. And then like 30 seconds into the, into the game, I'm in this, like, big, ridiculous boss room with these, like, flying bat eyeballs that are shooting, um, like, fireballs at me. And it's just, like, I don't know. It's too much. Like, this is not giving me hope that I will ever be into this genre. And, I mean, I'm glad that it was only, like, $1.50 on the Switch store because that feels like about how much it's worth to me. And I probably will never, ever play this again. It's just, like, not... I mean, on one hand, it's not my genre, despite the fact that I try to get into it. But on the other hand, it just, like, doesn't tell you anything about the game. It doesn't give you any kind of tutorial. It doesn't give you any measure of progress that you're making. Like, it doesn't give you anything. So you just die and you respawn. And then that's, I don't know. I just, like, it's not enough for me. And I just don't, I don't like it. I don't like the controls. Um, it doesn't feel tight enough for me. It's too hard because I'm a big baby and I don't play games like this. Um... So yeah, Paranautical Activity, unfortunately, I'm just not into this, and I have to give it a pretty big thumbs down. Uh, not surprised to hear that. I looked at it myself a number of times because, you know, I'm an addict of anything roguelike or roguelite. Uh, but I will be perfectly honest, and this may make some people upset, um, I can't think of a single one that is taken from the first-person perspective that I've enjoyed or that I thought was done well. I don't... I, people want to do this like they want to keep making these and it's almost like it's almost like the first person roguelike or roguelite is kind of becoming like the multiplayer party game of the indie scene where like you make them but nobody really likes them and none of them are really that great but they keep coming out because I think they're just easy to make so I I don't like a lot of these and I think it's really difficult if anybody listening has a really 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 good one that comes from the first person perspective like let me know and I guarantee I'll try it because I like the genre of the lights and the likes, but I just, I just don't think it really works that well with first person. Um, I could be wrong. I'm open to being proven wrong, but I haven't seen anything so far. Uh, I looked at Paranautical. It looked really kind of just not great to me because, um, I don't know, just, you know, not the blockiness. I mean, the blockiness is fine, but just for the things that you mentioned, I'm like, Oh, I bet this one does this. I bet this one does that. And like what you're telling me kind of proved me right. Um, I, if, if I'm ever going to do a roguelike or a light, I'd like the top down, um, there's certain criteria like top down, there has to be 
some kind of like learning curve. There has to be like a little bit of a tutorial. Like they got to get you into it a little bit. I mean, I think just the whole, hey, dude, I made this thing and like just started and play it. Okay. Like, no, it doesn't work for me. Like you need to like put a little bit more time and effort into it. So I'm not surprised. I don't blame you. I gave this one a pass a while ago. Um, I heard some people talking about it, but it was kind of the usual indie crowd of where they're kind of cheerleading for any indie game without really being too particular about it. And I'm like, no, I'm not really hearing the good the good buzz on this one. So sorry, but at least it was a dollar fifty. You know, that was good evidence of those bananas fucking uh, uh, switch sales, dude. I mean, that I mean, dollar fifty for any game these days is pretty crazy. <laughs> so the fact that it's something was that cheap, even even though it sucked, um, still pretty cool that you can get a game for that cheap on the switch. So. Eh. Sorry. Oh well. Um let's see. Let me let me take over the reins here for a minute. I have another couple quick dismissals. Uh I was going through my queue at Gamefly. You have, you have Gamefly, I know you do, right? Yeah, I do, I do. I know you do. We are actually sponsored by Gamefly, or at least I wish we were. <laughs> um so I was going through the Gamefly queue upcoming games as I do, and I'm like, oh, you know, just kind of picking things out at random, like whatever whatever looked good to me just because. And so I got sent a copy of Deathmark, which was on the PS4. I didn't know anything about it. It's something about the cover must have caught my attention six months ago. I don't remember what it was. I don't remember why I picked it. Just random, because I like to be surprised sometimes. So they sent it. And kind of like you said, I any game that does not walk you into it really gets off on a bad way for me. Uh, and this one is one of those. Actually, the, the next game I'm going to talk about does the exact same thing. Uh, developers, please put some fucking tutorials in your games. Like, don't be animals. Just put some tutorials in. Just help us out a little bit. Uh, so I didn't even know what this was. It turns out it is a visual novel. I had no idea. I, I was expecting maybe a JRPG or maybe like some kind of a side scroller. I had no idea. So you begin the game looking at a couple of teenage girls walking home talking about a ghost story. You're not sure who you are. And then all of a sudden you're in a mansion. And then it's dark and it's spoopy and you're like, who am I? What's going on? Where am I? What's, I don't know what's going on. And then you're talking to a mannequin and she's like, oh, you've got the death mark and you're going to die. And, uh, you forgot your memories and now you need to solve the mystery. And I'm like, what kind of game is this? What am I even playing? Like, what is, what, who am I? What are the mechanics? What's the story? I got no clue. Uh, so I did some research and apparently this is a pretty well-liked visual novel if you travel in those circles. I had never heard of it before. I didn't know even what genre it was. Uh, but a lot of people said that this was a cool game if you got into it. Uh, I deleted it like maybe 14 minutes later and I didn't get any <laughs> oh further. Oh, uh, I mean, so full disclosure, I, I didn't know it was a graphic no or a visual novel. So I don't think I was in the mood for that. I'm going to be very honest. I just That's not what I was in the market for at that time. Apparently it's pretty long, like 30, 35 hours. Definitely not in the mood for that. Uh, so that was one thing, and I own that. But also, like, no no tutorial, no explanation. I don't know what's going on. I don't know the setup. And just being launched into this story, like, what am I supposed to care about? Like, I don't even know what even the premise is. And I have to say, uh, this is probably going to lose us some listeners, but, like, I am so over, like, the whole anime aesthetic, the whole... Just that whole thing, that art style, the the tones, the themes, the tropes. I'm just, I'm sick of all of it. Like, I just don't want to deal with it anymore. Because so much of it is derivative. So much of it is boring. So much of it is just really, just not entertaining in any way. Um, there are a few exceptions. A few exceptions. Uh, but for the most part, I try to stay away from this stuff. And, you know, starting off with some high school girls. And then there's like the, 
I don't know, just the whole super melodramatic and you're going to play this game for a bunch of hours and just get through the story. I just, I was like, nah, I'm just not going to, I'm just not even going to deal with this at all. <laughs> I was not even going to bother. So I just kicked it out. Uh, I mean, maybe if it had started off in a better way, maybe if it had, you know, did a little bit more onboarding, I might've been interested, but like, I'm just like, no, I'm not going to do this. But to be fair to the game, despite the fact it was not for me, uh, a lot of people say it's really good. They say that there are a lot of unexpected twists. There is some horror. There's also some TNA titillation. If you swing that way, uh, it's pretty well liked, so I can't, you know, I'm not trying to, 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 you know, slag it or anything. It's just bad game, wrong day, not for me. I'm kind of done with the genre, whatever. So just a random mismatch from Gamefly, no big deal, nothing, nothing lost. Uh, and if you like visual novels, this one is well liked. But for me, Deathmark was something I didn't want to engage with, and I, I noped out of it pretty quick. I didn't see anything in there that was appealing to me in any way, shape, or form, so... Uh, moving on really quickly, unless you have any questions, Corey? I have no questions. Okay, that's what I figured. Uh, next one was an indie which I've heard several things about. It's called Riot, Civil Unrest. Uh, this is a politically themed game, as I'm sure you can guess, uh, where you play a group of people who are rioting and protesting against whatever various injustices are happening. Interestingly, you can also be the cops, on the other side, if you want to be. Uh, and I didn't know what the story was. I didn't know exactly like what the nitty gritty was, but I had seen it at PAX. I had heard people talk about it. And I'm like, again, this is another Gamefly, um, another Gamefly thing. I think I got it from Gamefly. Anyway, uh, another game that starts off with no tutorial. They just launch you straight into it. Like you, you're, you're given an option menu with some settings and you're not really sure what the settings are. Like, Hey, pick your weapon. Well, I don't know what these weapons do. What am I, what am I even doing? How do I know what to choose? And then pick which side you want to be, which side do I want to be? I don't know. I guess I'll just pick something at random and try. And then you get launched into the game. No tutorial, no explanation about how any of the controls work. Uh, no, no clear goals, no clear, like anything. Like you're just, you're playing all of a sudden. And I was just fucking around the controls. Apparently you can move a crowd of people from one side of the screen to the other. There are, I played as the rioters. There were some cops and it was like, don't let your tents be destroyed. That's your goal. And I'm like, okay, well, where are my tents? And then how do I stop them from destroying my tents? What do I do? Um, you can use a bullhorn to do something. I guess it like rallies the troops or something. You can make people stop in a certain place. It's kind of like a 2D Pikmin in a way, I guess, in a very, very loose sense. Although not nearly as polished or as cute or as well controlling as the Nintendo franchises and I just sat there at the screen kind of like totally disaffected like no motivation to figure out what's going on no motivation to dig into it I wasn't going to jump on YouTube for a tutorial I just was kind of surprised that for a game that is so unusual and so non-standard that they would um, just throw you into it and expect you to just swim and I'm like no I'm not doing this I'm not gonna I, I mean I played like two levels I, I finished them both I don't ask me how um, but I completed them and then, and then I was done. I was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to, uh, no, I just, I'm done. So, um, I really strongly suggest to all developers listening, um, please put tutorials in, please tell us how to play your games. Please set up your game. Like take the time to explain to us why we should invest our time. Why should we spend the energy to play your game? Because we are, we are drowning in games right now. This era in video games, there are so many games to choose from. Like you literally can't play them all. 
Uh, you need to do something to get people to play your game. It's not enough just to show up. You need to go a little bit further than that. So, um, Salaryman, Deathmark, Paranautical Activity, Riot, Civil Unrest, all of these things I think are pretty guilty of just showing up and expecting that's to be enough, and it's just not enough. It is not enough. You know what we should do, Brad? What is that? We should riot and perform some civil unrest against game developers who are not putting tutorials in their game. I think that's totally fine as long as we explain <laughs> to people how to do it. <laughs> oh my God. I would never suggest that, first of all. And second of all, <laughs> I was watching, I, uh, as I did my like five seconds of um, pre-show research, I was watching a, a, a trailer for this on Steam before we started, a little while before we started recording. And I have to say the art style is actually pretty up my alley because it looks just like um, that one, like, God damn it, I can't remember the name of it now, but there's that, like, really scary, like, 2D side-scrolly game that I really liked that came out, like, a couple years ago. Um, not Home. Not Home. Home I love, but that was, like, that came out a while ago. Um, you're talking about, I know what you're talking about. I know you know what I'm talking about. I can't remember I know. the freaking name Is it the one it. where you're in an apartment building? Yeah, and you're, like, the night security guard. Oh, you're talking about uh, Uncanny Valley. Yeah, Uncanny Valley, because it looks just like Uncanny Valley, and Uncanny Valley was, like, my shit for, like, most of the game. It was also, it had some very scary moments. Um, but I was watching the trailer for this, and, like, I couldn't even tell, like, what the game was supposed to be based on the trailer. It was just, like, crowds of, like, pixel-based people just kind of, like, running around, and I was like, okay, what is the point? Like, what, I don't really understand what the game is supposed to be, um... That's so. literally what it is. That's exactly what it feels like to play it. It's like you can't tell what's going on. It's hard to tell what's happening. There's a million little teeny tiny pixel people on the screen. And you're just kind of like pushing buttons and like hoping things happen. And I mean, maybe that's maybe that's like the meta commentary because in a riot, it's hard to tell what's going on. And like you can't direct a riot chaos. I mean, I get that. And maybe that's maybe that's commentary. But I just felt like I was sitting in front of a screen watching a bunch of ants on my screen kind of walk around and I didn't. <laughs> feel like I was doing anything or like I was intentionally making anything happen. It just felt like a mess. Mm. I just was like, nah, not happening. So so we can go ahead and say that um, Rockstar's State of Emergency is still the best Riot game out there right now. God, I mean, by default, I think it kind of is. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty that's a pretty strange badge of honor to have. I mean, that came out like, what, 15 years ago or something like that? Um, I don't think people even heard of it by this point, but. I mean, yeah. we were probably talking to a generation that wasn't even born by the time that game came out. So, oh, state of emergency, man. Yeah, what look it up. Back. Look it up, folks. Check it out on YouTube. <laughs> uh, we got one more game to talk about, Corey. I'm going to let you take the lead. Uh, we talked about Anthem, the demo last episode. Pretty miserable showing uh, by the closed beta. A lot of technical problems. A lot of difficulty getting in. I mean, it was pretty well documented that people were just like really unimpressed with how it showed up. Um, I think I played for a total of 10 minutes. I don't think you even got into the game, did you, last time? I did not. I was in the hub area, and the game failed to load the three or four missions that I tried to get into. And yeah. one of okay. which, I know I said this last week, but turned my entire PlayStation 4 off whenever I tried to close. Oh, that's Anthem. right. That's right. It yeah, killed your whole so. box. That's right. I forgot about yeah. that. Okay, so severe technical <laughs> issues. Um, so this weekend, uh, happening literally right now, is the open demo slash beta of Anthem. Uh, I went back into the game. Corey, you got back into the game. 
Uh, I will say, without saying anything else, that the, the technical performance is much better. I was able to get in. I was able to play some. So a lot of the problems that plague the closed beta are gone. It seems at least functional. Uh, but you take the lead on this one, Corey. So now that you actually had a chance to play, uh, what did you think of Anthem, which is the Iron Man simulator coming from Bioware slash EA MMO sort of a thing? What did you think of Anthem? Okay, so... Um, and just to be clear for anybody listening, um, this demo was only a weekend thing again, so it's not like available anymore. So it was just, uh, I think maybe Friday through Sunday or Saturday and Sunday or something. So it's over, it's done with again. I don't know if they're going to do another one. Um, but I was able to get in and go through the hub world and I actually got to play some missions this time, which was pretty incredible. Um, I mean, just that in and of itself. So whenever you play the demo, there's like four kind of missions to choose from and one of them is like an actual mission i think two of them are actual missions and then two of them are just kind of like they drop you into like a free roam area where you can kind of just like run around and kill stuff and like explore the world and kind of do whatever you want but there's not really like an objective objective and so i played the first kind of like the mission that it kind of like directs you toward um in the game and I decided because I don't like people to put my thing on private and not like let anybody play with me because that's kind of like a big thing about this game it's very much like destiny very much like um like uh the division where it wants you to play with other people and I was like no I don't think so I just want to play this by myself because I don't want to have to deal with other people right now so I went into the first mission um and the hub world, whenever you're going about the whole, like, bizarre area that kind of looks like Middle Eastern is first person, whenever you get into the game, it is third person. And it's just basically like, kind of like an over-the-shoulder third-person shooter. The thing that I thought was kind of fascinating is that um, I know that BioWare probably has, like, several different teams working on several different games at any point in their sort of life cycle, but the movement and the, like, maneuverability of the suits kind of reminds me of mass effect andromeda a lot and i wasn't really expecting that because like mass effect andromeda as probably anybody who's listening to the show knows it was sort of like the next big mass effect from bioware but it kind of crashed and burned a little bit right after it came out because it had a lot of technical problems at the beginning of the game and then it finally got like a bunch of patches and i played it after the patches and it was like it was okay it wasn't awful but it wasn't nearly as good as any mass effect that had come before it it was just like a very mediocre outing in the mass effect universe um but the controls feel similar to that because it's very like in the first suit that you unlock there's like a dash button where you can kind of like put your like jetpack thrusters on and you can basically kind of do like a dash in any direction uh, I think Mass Effect Andromeda had the same thing. You can double jump in the first suit that you have. So you can like launch your suit up in the air and you can like use your thruster to like do another double jump in the air. And it's just like a pretty cool amount of maneuverability. Um, and you have uh, different weapons you can equip. You can equip two weapons at a time. You have, you know, whatever, like if you want like an assault rifle and a shotgun or a assault rifle, a pistol or whatever, you know, whatever you want. Um, and then you keep sort of like, just like Destiny and The Division and other games like that, you just kind of get different versions of more or less the same guns over the course of the game. And of course they have like slightly better damage and slightly better reload times and stuff like that. Um, your character also has, much like Destiny, sort of like the R1, L1. And then if you press R1 and L1 together, they have sort of like different um, abilities that are specific to the suits. And I think you can unlock more and like craft more as you go, as you play the game more and like get more experience and stuff. 
Um, but like the ranger suit that I was playing as, he had like a kind of like a homing missile button. Um, he had a melee attack that was the triangle button. If you pressed uh, L1, it was like a grenade that pretty much exploded on contact when it hit the ground, which I thought was cool because you didn't have to like wait for it to explode. Um, if you press both of them at the same time and hold R1 and L1 down, um, he like targets everything in the vicinity and then shoots like a bunch of like homing missiles out at once. And that's kind of like the big like special weapon that takes a really long time to recharge. Um, so the suits have their own like little, you know, unique abilities like that. And I mean, but basically like the game is just, it feels a lot like the other games I've been mentioning. It feels a lot like Destiny. To me, at least, it feels a lot like Destiny. It feels a lot like The Division. I mean, given that it's on this kind of, like, fantastical sort of, like, planet area, like, the first mission I was in was kind of, like, rainforesty. So it was kind of, like, in parts of it, it was raining, really green, really lush, very outdoorsy, not super, like, sci-fi looking or, you know, like, crazy, like, buildings or metal or steel or anything. It was mostly just, like, lush sort of rainforest area. I mean, part of it, you're shooting these, like, pterodactyl things that have, that, like, spit fireballs at you, and then later on, you're shooting, like, regular dudes, and there's, like, turret guns and stuff. And so I played through most of that mission, and there came a part where, of course, because every game has to do this, it's like this, I entered, like, a no-respawn zone, and... The game just got, like, really, really hard when I got to the no-respawn zone. And there were these enemies with these, like, giant shields that were attacking me. And, like, all of these sort of, like, little, sort of, like, normal, like, ranger dudes around that are just, like, foot soldiers with their assault rifles. And, you know, I'm in, like, my Iron Man suit, so I feel like I should be able to just, like, take these dudes out really quickly. But they're actually not, um, you know, as easy to kill. It's very much like the other games where you shoot something and it has, like, the damage number that pops up over their head. You have to shoot an enemy, like, you know, like, seven times for them to die or something like that. And then the bigger enemies, you have to shoot them, like, fucking, like, 50,000 times for them to die if you're playing by yourself and if you're not leveled up very well. And so, like, I... And it has, like, a recharging shield and, like, part of your health recharges, too. So it ended up becoming one of those games where, like, I would just kind of, like, pop out and shoot, and then I would end up, like, running away from all the enemies and, like, waiting for my shield to recharge, which takes too long for the shield to recharge, in my opinion. And that's kind of, like, what it turned into. Like, I would run out to the battlefield. I would get, like, half a clip off on an enemy. By that point, my shield was already almost completely down. So was my health. So I had to, like, run my ass off the other way, try to just, like, stand behind some cover for a minute and let my shield recharge, and then, like, rinse and repeat that for, like, 15 minutes. And I died after all that in the first mission. And whenever I died, it respawned me, like, because I was in a no-respawn zone. So it responded to the beginning of that zone, which I had spent, like... 15 or 20 minutes like fighting through and whenever it respawned me to the start of the section i said no 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 anthem we're not doing this and i quit the mission because i wasn't <laughs> gonna do that again uh, and so i thought do, do you want to respond before i move on no no keep going keep going keep okay going. so i wanted to i was like okay you know i'll give another mission a shot you know so i went back out to the to the bizarre area i customized my suit a little bit differently i colored him a little bit differently i put two different weapons on because i wanted to experiment with some different guns um and so i went into one of like the open like kind of like free roam world areas and in those you have to do um, a public setting on your profile you can't do private or at least not in the demo which I was like, okay, whatever, like, I don't care. And so I started playing it, and, of course, it, like, immediately, like, matched me with, like, three other characters, which was fine, because they were, like, fine people, you know? I don't think any of us had headsets on, so it wasn't, like, 
talking to them or using a mic or anything. And we all just kind of like explored and fought. And like, it was okay, but it was just like, there wasn't like, because it was the free room area, there wasn't really like an objective to anything we were doing. We were all just kind of like flying around and like shooting stuff. And there, there was a lot of stuff for us to explore, which was really cool. Like the demo was way bigger than I thought it was going to be because I started in this like cliffside like waterfall area and I like went all the way up the waterfall and I ended up in these like kind of like flaming cavern areas where like it was kind of like this weird sort of like caves these like volcanic caves which was pretty cool so like definitely like the environments are pretty like varied I mean at least as far as the demo went I was pretty impressed with how like varied the environments were um but at a certain point I was also just like okay like I'm not really interested in this and then i tried the other mission and i think i spawned in i did uh public on that one so i tried the other mission and i explored it with like three other dudes or maybe women i don't know um whoever they were with me um and kind of like the same thing happened with the first one i thought to myself like well maybe this will be easier because like i'm in a different mission i have like better gear i'm actually fighting with three other people and it was, like, basically like a shit show all over again. Like, the people on my team kept getting downed, and you have to, you know, go and revive them. And I, anytime I would try to revive them, like, I would almost get downed. And then we got to, like, a no-respawn area, and I was super unclear on, like, what, like, what I was supposed to even be doing. Like, there was this objective about, like, collecting, like, these echoes and taking them somewhere, and I didn't really, like understand what I was supposed to be doing and like in the middle of this mission it really dawned on me that like the the fee the overall feeling that I was getting while playing this game is that it feels like work it feels like a grind it doesn't feel like I'm having any fun it might be the kind of game where you feel like you're having fun once you unlock all the suits and once you unlock a bunch of cool powers and you can like use a suit to like jump and fly and float and like be stealthy and like really maneuverable or like really be able to like tailor it the way you want to. But like just from where I was, cause I only had one suit unlocked and it was basically like the base kind of default ranger suit. Um, I just like wasn't really that impressed. It just felt like I was just grinding and killing the same enemies over and over and over again. And like, wasn't really getting enough gear to feel good about what I was doing or wasn't getting any like cool new weapons that made it feel like it was really worth the payoff. And so every time I died, I was just like, you know, I'm just going to turn this off. Like I'm not, it is, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm having any fun. I don't feel like any sense of camaraderie with the people I'm playing with. I mean, I'm sure if I were playing with like you and your wife, it would be different, but it just feels, it feels way too much like destiny. And I'm like really lukewarm on destiny. Like I, it's a very, just like sort of like middle ground game for me. Like it's fine. I don't think it's terrible. I don't think it's great. It's just like a shooter. And that's kind of how I feel about this. It just feels like a shooter and it feels like, it feels like stuff I've seen before. I mean, minus the Iron Man suits, but that doesn't really feel like enough to make it feel that special. Um, so I was just, it just felt kind of boring and kind of monotonous to me. And it really kind of turned me off on even like wanting to play the full package whenever it comes out. Yeah, basically ditto like everything you said. Um, I It feels too much like Destiny. And I know a lot of people were jumping on me for saying that on Twitter earlier. But, like, it just does, man. Like, I, I mean, for, for starters, it looks very generic to me. I mean, yes, you're in a suit of armor and you can fly. But, like, it just looks 
like nothing about the visuals are very appealing to me. Like it just looks very lukewarm and inoffensive and lowest common denominator sort of a thing where just nothing stands out to me about it. Um, like the gun design is really dull. The UI looks just like destiny. Everything looks really, just really painfully generic. Uh, the town, like the, the bazaar, like, you know, the middle Eastern, you know, B A Z A A R kind of bazaar. <laughs> um, it just looked dull. Like it was like, why am I even here? What is going on? There's nobody to talk to. Like Bioware is famous for having interesting, cool characters and strong stories. Granted, we just saw a beta or a demo. I get that. But at the same time, I didn't even see like glimmers of anything that was interesting like the characters i was talking to super generic just like random npcs that like, i honestly wouldn't be able to pick out of a lineup uh of npcs like i couldn't tell you anybody's name i don't even understand what we were even doing it had a lot of like lore like lore dumps right away where i'm like i don't understand what any of these words are and they don't mean anything to me and you're acting like i should like be caring about this stuff when i was at a mission like I was in a mission with three other people and we were, you know, kind of like you're saying, the shit show combat, just flying around, pouring bullets into some big robot thing, which looked really generic. The enemies look really generic. Like I would have a hard time describing what the enemies look like because I just don't remember because they were not memorable at all. They were just like random alien bugs and some kind of weird robot or something like I nothing stood out about it like nothing was really exciting or like oh my god look at that thing that's crazy i can't believe i'm killing this thing or we're fighting like it was just like okay i'm shooting this thing where's the next objective marker okay fly over here um yeah like just nothing really stood out about it at all and you know as i was playing it i was like this i kind of like what you said like this just feels like work i'm just doing this thing that is here for me to do but not because i want to or because it feels exciting to do it. It feels like it's just something to do. It it feels a lot like Destiny to me. And I really... I mean, me and the wife played through Destiny's campaign. The original Destiny before any of the... the before any of the improvements or anything. So maybe it's a better experience now. But, like, the same hyper-generic, a lot of lore. Like, just really get in there and... I mean, like, when I, when I was playing the one of these Anthem missions, like, p- people were talking. And it was supposed to be, like, as if it were the people with you. But it wasn't them. It was pre-recorded. And they're like, oh, so-and-so, or there's this mission. we got to go rescue this thing. And I'm like, what are we even talking about? Like, what is even going on? You know, they were dropping a bunch of names of things that I didn't know what it was. And, like, they were having this, like, really fanky banter or, like, this mid-mission chat, which, number one, is hard to listen to in the first place because stuff's going on. And if you don't know what everything is, like, it just, it was all just, like, washing over me, dude. Like, it was just, like, a bunch of just, like, vanilla shooting past me, and none of it was sticking, and none of it was really interesting or tasty. Um, yeah, I just, like, the more I played of it, like, the less I liked it. And I I do not think I'm going to be playing the full version. Like, even if we get a free copy, I think I would probably pass on it. Because I just don't see myself playing this very much. It just seems like, get in here and shoot these things, because these are the things that are marked for you to shoot. And collect these guns because that's what you do in one of these games. And fly around because that's our new spin on the genre. Um, But, like, none of it grabbed me. None of it stuck with me. None of it was interesting. It cooled me off a lot. Because when we watched videos from E3 last year, I was like, oh, cool. You're in a mech suit. I love mech suits. You're flying around. I love flying. And you're in a big jungle and shooting stuff. That looks okay. And, like, as I'm actually playing it, I'm like, like, literally none of this is fun. Like, none of this is interesting. (laughs) Like, I, how do you suck the energy out of that? And I think it's kind of what happened with Mass Effect Andromeda. I hated that game. That game, putting all the technical stuff aside, that game was boring as shit. Dude. Like, <laughs> and I, 
like the first Mass Effect is one of my favorite games of all time, if not my favorite. And the trilogy I hold in very high regard. I mean, I you know not perfect games, but boy, do I love those games. Exciting, you know, great stories, great characters, great action, just really fun things that you do, like lots of twists and turns. And like Andromeda had none of that. Like I thought it was very, very dull, very tedious to play, like like a corpse that was animated, but there's no light behind the eyes. Like they're just, it's just there, you know? I felt the same thing about Anthem. It just feels like we're, we want some of this games as service action. Destiny made this work somehow. We're going to, we're going to copy their thing and we're going to put a little twist on it and it's going to be successful just like that. And here we go. And I just was like, no, none of it was working. So I, it cooled me off hardcore. And again, this is not because of the technical issues. I'm just talking about just what I played and what I saw, like none of this, no, I'm just not going to play this, dude. I'm just going to give us a hard pass, and I'm going to move on to something else. So this demo, um, yeah, convinced me to not play. I guess that's the opposite <laughs> the opposite goal of a demo, but that's exactly what happened. I'm, I'm taking this off my radar, man. Yeah, speaking of uh, Mass Effect, while you were talking, I just thought of this too. Um, whenever you're in the bazaar area... Um, like there, you can like talk to a bunch of people, and there's like a lady who is kind of like the mechanic, like the j- javelins or what, like the mech suits are. And she's kind of like the javelin mechanic, and I like walk up to her, you know, to kind of like chat her up, and because the game like tells you that you can talk to her, and I'm like talking to her, and for some, re- I don't know if it's just because it's like a Bioware thing or like what, but for some reason the game gives you like dialogue options, and then there's only two, so it's not like a you know, like a happy, a mean, or like a neutral or whatever, yeah, like in Mass yeah. Effect, but it's just two, and like you hold one of the triggers to say it, and I'm like talking to her about like the mech suits or whatever, and she like asked me a question about like, I don't know, something, and it like brings up the the dialogue options, and it doesn't really tell you like what, like what they mean really, like it'll have the responses, but in Mass Effect style, like the first person character will just like say like a slightly different sentence than what it says, and like I said something that was just pretty like, pretty just like standard fare about like oh well you know i'm just doing my job or something about like oh well i you know i bring my suit back to like the best mechanic in the and the, on the planet or something like that and and like the lady the mechanic lady is like oh yes sweet talker and i'm like what like i like what <laughs> and so I, I just had this idea in my head of like it was like everything i said to her she's like she was just like, and and I chose my woman to be a woman. Like I was a female character, and like totally great that like whatever. Like the, these two women in the game are like cool with, I don't know, like being flirty on the spot or whatever. Because like if it were two dudes, I would feel the same way. Um, but it was just weird because I felt like I said something that was just so like standard, and like everything I said to her, she would be like, "Oh, you're such a sweet talker" or something. And I'm like, "What are you talking about? Like I'm just talking like my fucking mech suit." And you're, like, trying to get all, like, sexy with me and stuff. And, like, it would be one thing if, like, when the dialogue options came up, there was, like, one that, like, definitely sounded sexy and one that, like, sounded really to the point. But they both, like, more or less looked the same to me. And then I would say one and, like, apparently it was, like, the flattery one for the mechanic. And I couldn't help but wonder if it was just, like, you know, because Bioware is obviously, like, super famous for, like, like, having, like, you know alien romance in the games and stuff like that and you know they really like push that hard with mass effect andromeda about like romancing everybody on your ship and all that stuff and so i couldn't help but wonder like you know did they feel like it just like wouldn't be a bioware game if you weren't able to like immediately flirt with the first person you see like on the entire like hub world and it it just felt like really kind of like strange and like forced and out of place for me 
the whole game feels strange and forced and out of place. <laughs> I mean, it just... I mean, for real, dude. Like, I think it's probably safe to say that Bioware is dead. Like, the, the, the name above the office may say Bioware, but, like, I don't... In, in Mass Effect Andromeda, I wasn't picking up any of that vibe. In this game, I'm not picking up any of that vibe. I mean, the two doctors who founded it... Uh, I forget their names, but the two docs, they're not there anymore. They haven't been there for a while. I'm guessing a lot of the people who were the real talent are probably not there anymore either. Um, I don't know. I just feel like we are playing a reanimated corpse that is being made by a reanimated corpse, and I don't feel any... any. I mean, I think it's just over. I think Bioware is over, and I don't feel like any more allegiance to them. I don't feel like I'm, I am inclined to like their games anymore, so... Uh, yeah, I'm gonna completely avoid this one. I mean, unless I hear, like, amazing things from people who are not Destiny ad- addicts. Like, if I can talk to a normal person and they say it's great, maybe I'll check it out. But it seems like the people who like Destiny like this and people who just want to do, like, loot and shoot, uh, as good old Cliff Goldsmith had said, maybe that's okay for them. But I need more than that in my games, and I'm not seeing any hints that anything more than that's going to be there. So going to give this one a pass. Sounds like you're going to give it a pass as well. Yeah, I mean, we've said it time and time again on the show, like, there's only enough time in the world for either either none or one, like, games-a-service game in our lives, perhaps, yeah, or at any given totally. point in time. And I feel like, I mean, I don't know if I've ever planned to be in this situation, but given the experience that you and I both have with The Division, I feel like you and I and, you know, perhaps your wife or your son are all just going to fall back into the division too. And like, you know, if I could pick one to play, I would rather play that than anything else. I mean, even if it's just more of the same of the, the first division, and I swear like Ubisoft is not paying me to say that on this podcast. I just would rather play that. I think if I'm going to choose like one and I, cause I'm certainly not going to play every games of service game that comes out, especially if it doesn't feel good or feel like, fun or feel exciting or you know intense or whatever it just feels like work um but i would rather just get the division two and play that with you guys than play this yeah i mean i agree i think i think most people only have room for one or two i have room for maybe one um you know i know you're really busy too and it's like you know i mean i still play as as we talked about on the ps4 recap show um i apparently play a lot of Fortnite that i don't ever talk about on the show but i mean when I have 15, 20 minutes and I just want to play something for, you know, just jump in, feel like I did something and jump out, Fortnite solves that pretty quickly. It's still fun. It's still goofy. So I still enjoy playing that. Um, I, I would be interested in doing like at least the campaign of The Division. I don't know that I necessarily want to sign up and get married to a game for the next three years or something. I don't, I'm not <laughs> sure if I'm even the game as a service person, you know, like I think Puzzle Quest is something because it's in my phone and it's, you know, easy to play, but it's not something that I like devote my life to. And I don't think I ever want to play a game really for that much ever. So I would be more interested in playing The Division, going through the campaign, maybe doing a little Dark Zone and then calling it good, like, kind of like we did last time. That was a real positive, fun experience. So I would be more up for that. Uh, but yeah, I don't see I don't see Anthem doing that. And I also have, I mean, you know, like I said, Fortnite. And I mean, honestly, I'd rather just go back to Warframe and do that some more. I mean, I played some of that this year. That was still a good time. Um, and they do a lot of what this game is doing, but do it better. So yeah, I don't know. I just don't see... I just don't see this having a place in my life at all. So I think I'm probably okay to let this go unless I hear something amazing, which I don't think I'm going to see. So I think that's all I've got to say. Any last thoughts on it? I think that's pretty much all I have to say too. We've been a couple of downers on the show. Yeah. I mean, it happens sometimes, (laughs) but I mean, I think that's just us being honest, dude. I mean, you know, not every game out there can be great. And 
we cover a wide variety of stuff. I mean, if we're if it's good, we'll celebrate it for sure. I think it's just this week. I don't know, just a bad crop of games. But uh, hopefully we will talk about uh, some more up stuff next week. I mean, as you mentioned earlier, I'm in the middle of playing Resident Evil 2. We're not going to talk about it now, but I will say, just really quickly as a teaser for a future show, um, enjoying it a lot more than I thought I would. I know I was I was really having some trepidation about going into it. Um, it is still scary. I don't think that I can really play it successfully on my own. Uh, <laughs> so I will only play it while my family's around. But the part that I did play having a good time with and i i will have a lot to say about it when we get to it so that'll be something we can talk about i think we'll both be pretty up on it i'm guessing and uh we'll see what else comes down the pike but we will be looking for some good stuff and we uh yeah not intentionally downers uh we'll we'll see what happens next time excellent well um is that everything then are we gonna sign off now let's sign off man bring us home all right okay well today thank you for listening we talked about Enyo, Salaryman, Paranautical Activity, Deathmark, Riot, Civil Unrest, and the Anthem demo. Um, some of those game names probably ran together, unfortunately. We played Deathmark, Riot, Civil Unrest. That's actually one game, not two. Um, that brings us to the end of this episode, episode 117. Remember, you can stick around after the ending music to hear tonight's banter. Um, we talk about, as usual, movies. I talk about spending more money than I should have on some dumb shit and uh, some other stuff. Uh, however, if you don't want to listen to that, feel free to bail now, and we'll catch you next week with more games chat. Uh, but in the meantime, you can also get in touch with us in several different ways. Uh, you can send us comments, thoughts, feedback, ideas, show ideas. Uh, like we said earlier, if you guys have any ideas about segments or anything you'd like us to talk about regularly uh, by all means send us your ideas um i mean we haven't talked about doing a Q&A in the future but i mean you're always welcome to send us Q&A questions and we'll always answer them anytime um if you want to send us any of that stuff uh, there are several ways the first way is by email we are on gmail our address is so video games podcast at gmail.com you can also post comments directly on the game critics website for us whenever the show goes live there's a podcast tab on the Game Critics website, and it lists every podcast that Game Critics has ever produced in their entire lifetime. And you can leave a comment on every single page if you want. And you can also uh, get a hold of us on Twitter. We are available as a collective show on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at So Video Games. Despite the fact that we say So Video Games Podcast, there's only one O. It is S O Video Games for our Twitter handle. Um, and last but not least, definitely not least, you can reach us individually on Twitter, which I always think is probably the best way to get a hold of us. But really, anyway is fine, but getting a hold of us individually is probably the best way. Um, Brad, would you like to give out your social media handles? Yeah, you can catch me on uh, Twitter and Instagram sporadically. It's at uh, Brad Galloway, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's, no O's. And Corey, where can they find you? Uh, you can also find me on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, I say it every week, also on Twitch. I haven't broadcasted in like six months, so whatever, but it's there if you want to subscribe. Um, my Twitter handle, much like Brad's, is also my first and last name. It is Corey Motley, C-O-R-E-Y-M-O-T-L-E-Y. Brad, do you have any last words before we sign off? No, that's it. Thank you, folks, for listening. Uh, please bear with us for the next four weeks while I get through... Romeo and Juliet, we will do our best. And we will make an effort to find something that is a little more upbeat. We don't want to be bringing dark gray clouds into your game horizon. So 
McCriffy rays of sunshine as we manage them. But uh, yeah, we'll be back uh, and uh, we'll talk some more next time. Uh, definitely. And also, I mean, I could talk till I'm blue in the face about how much I love Resident Evil 2, but it would probably get really old for you guys if I came back every single week and just sung the praises of Resident Evil 2 from the rooftops. But once Brad finishes it, we will definitely do a deep dive on it. So get ready for that. Um, but until then, until the next episode, this is bye from Corey. And I almost said bye from Corey, but I am not Corey. <laughs> I am Brad. Bye from Brad. Bye from me. We'll see you next time. Yes. Take care, guys. We'll see you next week. All right, cool. I am freezing my ass off right now. Uh, We are in the middle of... Snowpocalypse 2019 here in Seattle. We rarely ever get snow, and last night it just dumped down on us. So, like, the entire city is shut down. Uh, my job tonight was canceled. I'm not sure if I'm going to work tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> Gina's home. Her thing canceled. And we're home, so, of course, uh, our son is home. So we got a full house full house in the uh, Sovity Games West studio today. Live, live studio audience, which would be a neat thing. If you hear applause, just just ignore it and just keep on recording. Oh my god, I'm glad you brought this up because I was going to ask you about this first thing. I've been seeing because obviously I'm friends with a lot of people on Twitter that live in Seattle, and I keep seeing pictures and videos of snow over and over and over again. And I wasn't sure if that was a common thing there or not. No, it is super rare uh, because of where we sit between. We have mountains on one side, and we have the Pacific Ocean on the other, and also Seattle's kind of not really on the coast, although we are next to the ocean because we have uh, Puget Sound, which is kind of like this giant um, piece of land that is, like, scooped out of the mainland of Washington. So it's like this giant, like, ocean channel that comes inland. So we're by the water, but we're not on the coast, which is kind of a weird thing. (laughs) Uh, And just with all those different geological factors, or geographical, I should say, um, we're, we're pretty protected from winter and extreme weather. I mean, we get cold, we get rain, we get, I mean, snow once in a while and barely any, but man, something, you know, global warming, that polar vortex or whatever that was crushing the middle of the country, <laughs> you know, whatever's happening. So like, it's really freezing in my house today. I'm wearing a hat and a scarf literally right now as I'm recording. Uh, I've got like three layers of clothing on. Uh, my wife is buried under 50 uh, blankets. <laughs> my son is just, just cold. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. So we're that's kind of what's going down today. What, what about you? Did you get any of that polar vortex action down your way? Uh, not really. I mean, it's been it's actually like really been really nice outside for the past couple of days. Um, it's weird because like a week ago it was about 40 degrees on a daily basis, which is pretty cold for um, New Orleans or for the South in general, probably. But the other night I went out to do laundry and it was so weird because it was like, I like took, because at where I live, we have a detached garage next to the house and that's where the washer and dryer are to do laundry. So you have to walk like, like, I don't know, like 50 feet, you know, from the side door to the garage to take the laundry over. And I like stepped outside and it was like, 8 or 9 p.m. and I was like wow it's really nice out here it was like 65 degrees and it was like nighttime and it had been like 40 degrees during the day like earlier like a week uh, prior but it's like right now if I check the weather on my phone I don't want to make you too jealous so feel free to just cancel the call or sign off when I say this but it's currently 72 degrees and cloudy wow what that is ridiculous holy smokes 
That is crazy talk. Wow. Well, lucky for you, man. Uh, I mean, it, it wouldn't ordinarily be that cold here. In fact, we've had a pretty mild winter in general. And um, look at us talking about uh, weather like old men. Um, <laughs> how exciting for a podcast audience. This is great. This is great radio. Uh, but yeah, this, it's just, just out of the blue. It's so crazy. I mean, my kid ran outside. He played in the snow a couple times. He had a good time. But I mean, I think I may have mentioned this before, but Seattle doesn't get a lot of snow. But when we do get like any amount of snow, it paralyzes the city for a couple of reasons. Number one, we ne- we almost never get snow. So the city doesn't put aside any money to deal with snow because th- we could go like a decade with getting no snow. Right. So like we don't have a bunch of like dedicated plow or salt trucks. We don't have emergency services that are just put aside just for snow days. So like when snow does come, we're kind of paralyzed by it because everybody's like, oh, where'd we park that one snow truck that we had 10 years ago? Where'd that go? And who's working this weekend? Cause everybody's off and who's going to drive the truck and what's going on? Like we don't have anything like that. But the other reason snow really paralyzes the city is because if people have never been to Seattle, it's actually extremely hilly. We have a lot of really steep hills the city itself, even downtown, is not flat. Like, I've, I talked to a lot of people who are surprised, but, like, it's very vertical in Seattle. A lot of up and down. And so even a little tiny bit of snow, or even a little bit of rain sometimes on, on the wrong conditions, will make these hills, like, absolutely lethal. Like, we get people who, like, get mowed down at the bottom of a hill because a car coming down couldn't stop. We get cars who, like, smash into things at the bottom of hills because they just can't stop. A number of roads that are at the top of hills get closed because there's there's just physically, and I mean physically in the sense of according to the laws of physics, like <laughs> there is no way your car can stop if you get going on one of these hills, regardless of whether you have a four-wheel drive or something. So like a lot of the city is just really impassable because it's too steep and too dangerous. So, you know, a lot of people are on Twitter like, oh, you guys only got like two inches of snow. You guys are pussies closing the city down. And it's like, dude, you don't know what it's like. <laughs> You have no idea to be at the top of like a 300 foot hill and be screaming down and have no idea how to stop. Like it's deadly. It is deadly. So, um, yeah, basically the whole city is shut down right now. No one's going anywhere. No one's doing anything. And I'm not even sure if I'm even going to work tomorrow or what's up. So it's kind of it's kind of crazy right now. But luckily we have a lot of food in the fridge because we just went shopping. So that was good timing on our part. We have electricity. So we have some heat and stuff. So we're not suffering. But um I do feel really bad for people out there who are homeless or don't have, you know, the luxuries that we have. It's got to be pretty rough right now, but, but we're surviving and, uh, yeah, it's kind of, kind of crazy. Hmm. But you guys, um, I know something that I was used to in the Midwest that seems to be not as much of a thing other places that I didn't realize because of my, I don't know, like sheltered Midwestern upbringing is, um, I always grew up with central air and central heat, but like when I moved to New Orleans, I kind of discovered that that's not as much of a thing here. There's a lot of like window units. And I remember whenever I went to, cause I've been to Seattle twice for two vacations and like the first, I think Aaron Airbnb that I stayed in only had a window AC unit and nothing else. And it's just like fans and maybe a window AC unit if you're lucky is so that's like how it is there, right? Like, is it rare to find central air and central heating? I mean, it's changing. I think we've been so mild in terms of our, our summers were not really that hot and our winters were not really that cold. And just how the the architecture and the building and stuff around here was, yeah, I mean, it was really rare for like a long time. Like there's just, nobody had that, you know? But now that newer construction's coming in all over the place, I mean, I'm guessing it's probably more common these days, but it is extremely common to go to somebody's house and they don't have central hair or eating. They just have a bunch of like, we have like 35 box fans in our house for the summertime. <laughs> We have a couple of portable radiators for the wintertime because they just the house just does not come equipped with it. So, 
but some people do, some people don't, and it's just all it's all different. But we're seeing a, a strange crossover um, between old architecture and new because so much new is coming into Seattle, uh, and a lot of old stuff is getting pushed out. We're seeing a big shift in that, so I would expect it probably will change in the near future. Well, last but not least, before we jump off the subject of weather, um, I just want to say, but Brad, how can global warming be a thing if it's cold and snowing outside? Oh, God. Get over here so I can <laughs> slap you in your face. Oh, my God. <laughs> stupidest. If there was ever a question, we were being led by the stupidest, most evil man in the world. That settled it right there. I mean, don't even get me started, dude. The, the level of fucking ignorance and dipshittery going on is its intolerable. Oh, my God. I couldn't let the moment pass without saying it. <laughs> oh, my fucking God, dude. Ugh. Okay, enough of that shit. Enough of that shit. What do you, what have you been doing? What else? What, what do you got going on not, that's not weather-related? Um, I have, well, I'm just, like, to begin, just today in general, just to be immediate, I'm, like, fucking tired as fuck today. I, like, stayed up way too late last night, and I, like, woke up and went to work, and I could not focus like I still got like most of my work done and I just like couldn't focus very well and I went what to were you doing were you partying what was going on Where'd no well okay so last night I wasn't really partying but like I mean not at all to be frank but like last night was weird because like Patrick has been on he's been working uh nights for a while and I've probably said that pretty probably about every single banter section for the past like month on the show and um but last night he like went to work and I guess they've been like really backed up at the plant and he can't, he like didn't really like need to be there. Um, and so he like went in for a couple of hours and then came home. And I mean, we weren't really like doing anything specific, but it was just like, I don't know, nice to see him for once, like ever. And totally, because totally, he's been like, totally. sleep, or he, cause usually whenever I get home from work, he's sleeping. And then I'm usually tired and I get home from work because I always stay up too late. So I will like, take a nap i mean like with him but you know we're both sleeping yeah. so and then he'll get up. oh my god dude you're you are describing our life exactly <laughs> like every single thing that you said is literally the exact same thing me and gina do like to a t not even exaggerating at all dude literally we are living parallel lives on the opposite sides of the country <laughs> well i mean that's kind of how it is right now and he uh but he like came home last night and he was home i went out to dinner with one of my friends last night and then got home and he got home from uh from work and we just kind of like hung out at the house and we watched we got caught up on star trek discovery because we like to watch it together and i don't know i just like i painted my nails and i forget that when i paint my nails it takes like an hour to do it because it takes for fucking ever for everything to dry so i like just like ended up staying up really late last night and i was like really unfocused at work today but um but the I actually have like some kind of like stories, I guess, some some dumb shit that's been happening to me over the past couple stories. of weeks. Talk story. Corey, yeah. Talk story. Let's talk yes. about stories. So I have two things so we can kind of bounce back and forth on these. All I right. To all talk right. about. So I've probably talked about on the show before how I have been listening to because, you know, like we're on a video game podcast. I used to listen to video game podcasts a lot, but I don't really listen to them anymore. But something that I've been listening to lately <laughs> And don't please don't say it's because ours puts every other one to shame no it's just because like well i think whenever it's kind of like one of those things where like because i play video games a lot and because sometimes i write about video games and because i spend you know three hours talking with you a week about video games and then another like three hours listening back to us talking about video games like i just like you know it, it's like one of those things where 
like, I think it's cool to have a hobby. And I think it's, you know, obviously, like, everybody needs hobbies. Everybody needs stuff to do in their free time. But I feel yeah. like it's important that you have, like, more than one and you have, like, diverse hobbies. And this... Totally, uh, th- totally. This totally... I didn't even mean to go off on this tangent, but it really reminded me of this whenever I went to Atlanta for the parkour thing a couple weeks ago. Because, like, everybody that I was there with, they, like, they, like eat, sleep, and breathe, and dream parkour, like, all day, and, like, we went to, like, this after party after the competition, and we're just, like, out at one of the guys' friend's house drinking and just hanging out, and they were, like, queued up, like, a million parkour YouTube videos, and, like, all the dudes that were there were just, like, sitting around on the couch just, like, watching all these parkour videos, and they all knew, like, every single move that every single athlete did in succession in all the videos because they had watched them, like, so many times, and, like, I get it, like, it's cool to have a hobby, but at the same time, I'm, like, please do something else. Like you need to have more than just like this one thing in your life. And right, so, right. um, so that's sort of bringing me around to what I originally meant to talk about was, uh, I listened to a lot of like beauty and skincare podcasts. Cause like skincare, yes, like yes. the science of skincare is something I've been really getting into over the past like year or so. And I listened to a podcast called the full coverage podcast. And it's kind of just like, it's like a pro makeup artist and, um, and her friend, who's not really, I mean, she's kind of like in the industry, but she's not like a makeup artist or anything. She just like likes the, I don't know, stuff. And so she talks about it and they have like, they talk about like new news and like new releases. And sometimes they do interviews with like industry vets and stuff. But I joined, they have a closed Facebook group and I joined their Facebook group. And it's basically just like, it's about like two to 3000 people. I'm sure like 98% of them are women. And, you know, it's basically just, like, talking about whatever. Like, sometimes they'll post pictures of their makeup. Sometimes they'll talk about deals. Sometimes they'll ask for product recommendations. And the other day, a woman had posted, who lives in California, had posted a thing basically saying, like, hey, I have, like, basically a shitload of, like, sort of, like, trial size makeup and skincare and, like, stuff that I know I'm never going to use. And so, basically, I just kind of want to, like send some care packages to people. Like if anybody's interested, like I know I'm never going to use this stuff. I don't want to, I don't want it to expire because maybe something that people don't know is that makeup actually does have expiration dates on everything. And, um, and so I kind of threw my hat in the ring and I was like, Oh sure. Like, you know, maybe like, you know, a hundred women have hit you up for stuff already, but like, here's some of the stuff that I like. And you know, if wherever I am on the list, like you can send me some stuff. If not, I don't care, but I just want to, you know, let you know. And so about a week later, she sent me, this like care package of all of this like fucking like high end like makeup samples and stuff and I really? was yeah and it was like fucking rad so like and I was adding it up before we recorded because I wanted to see like if I could get kind of like a gauge on about how much money's worth she had sent me and it was it's probably hovering around like the two hundred dollar mark of all the stuff that she sent wow. Yeah, so, like, it's, I don't know, it's kind of cool. Well, quick, quick side note on that, though. You know, she's even more generous than that because I've actually done that before where I've, like, had a bunch of shit to give away. And I don't realize because I'm like, oh, yeah, let's just give stuff away. But the postage for that shit adds up so fast. So imagine <laughs> yeah. how much money she's putting out of pocket. Like, the weight of the stuff she sent you times however many people she sent. I mean, she probably sunk, like, a lot of money in just, you know, quote, unquote, being nice and giving free stuff away, dude. That's even nicer. I know. And I told her, like, straight up, I was like, hey, if you want me to, like, Venmo you for shipping or whatever, and, like, other people in the group said the same thing, but she didn't, I mean, I assume she's, like, well off if she can afford all these, like, trial sizes of this, like, luxury makeup and stuff. Um, But, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. So she just, like, sent me a bunch of stuff, and I've been kind of, like, 
a lot of it's like more like natural stuff. She didn't send me like, you know, like a neon eyeshadow palette or anything. Cause that's like, I kind of clarified to her that if I wear makeup, I like to wear like kind of natural stuff. So she sent me like a couple of different like lip treatments and this cool like highlighter balm stick thing that smells like honey, which is amazing. And like a brush and um, this like kind of like a contour kit for lack of a better word, which I don't think is going to be that useful for me, but it's kind of cool to have. And like a loose powder. She sent me an hour, there's this brand called Hourglass that's like really kind of luxury. And she sent me this bronzer from Hourglass and um, just like the mini size of a bronzer, which let's will probably last me like forever because I won't use it that much. is like $24 on its own, like one single like mini size of one product. Thing, yeah. yeah. And like the full size is like $55. And I was like, oh my God, like this is like some of like the nicest stuff I own now. It's like so silly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just like, it's cool to like be reminded that there are like nice, like selfless people out there in the world still. And they're just like, oh, I have this extra stuff and I will take the time to go get boxes. And like she packaged everything really neatly. Like she Ziploc bagged almost everything individually in case it like leaked. And, um, you know, and like, wow. like you said, she paid the postage and sent everything out. And I was just like, oh my God, they're like, there are still good people out there in the world. Like, this is amazing. She just sent her, like, a thank you card or something. That sounds like she really went above and beyond to, like, really, like, give you the goods, dude. Yeah, I know. And I just, like, I don't know. I'm really, I don't I don't think I have her address. I mean, I'm sure I could ask her for it and maybe, like, send her, like, some flowers or an edible arrangement or something. But I mean, at least a very, like, you know, charming <laughs> gift or something. I mean, something to kind of, you know, <laughs> communicate the things. That sounds awesome, dude. That's so cool. Yeah, it was super rad. So I was pretty happy about that. And, like, some of the stuff I know I'll get more use than others. But, like, even just, like, like it sounds so silly, but, like, a couple of, like, high-end, like, lip balms that she sent. And I'm, like, using them, like, every day, like, religiously because I'm, like – fucking yeah like i've got my like two dollar like vaseline in the drawer i've got this like 25 dollars <laughs> like rose lip treatment like of course i'm gonna be using that every day so it's just like pretty cool to have that i don't know like nice stuff i guess that is excellent that is excellent to get like you know not only was it like a nice lady who sent this thing out of the goodness of her heart but like really like quality stuff like it wasn't just cheap crap i mean that's awesome <laughs> yes yeah, so i am that's like my story number one today that i'm excited about but that's pretty much it basically i got cool free shit in the mail and fuck cool you free everybody shit else. is my favorite shit i love cool free shit <laughs> <laughs> hey well, what's your other story because i don't have much banter this week i have some stuff in the that we're going to be talking about in the news section but Ooh. of the actual show nothing huge but i mean i've only got one movie really to talk about and not really a whole lot else what else what else you got do yours first okay so my other story is um speaking of movies i'm going to pretend like you just effortlessly segued us into a movie situation um I have made it known on the podcast about a million times over that I'm a big fan of the Ghost in the Shell franchise. And there, I didn't realize this was a thing until about maybe like six months ago. And I can't remember if I talked about this on the show or not, but there are websites that do like after movies, like live action movies, like go through production and end production. And they're like over and done with. There are certain websites out there that hold online auctions where they like auction off stuff from that was like actually in production from the movies. And a while ago, probably about six months ago, there's an online auction store that did an auction for the Ghost in the Shell live action movie with Scarlett Johansson. And whenever I was like, it was live, I like registered to bid, but I was like, uh, I'm probably not going to bid on anything because like, I don't know, it's probably going to be expensive. I'm not really sure like what, what all is going to be here. And it was just like a big, um, 
just like a shitload of stuff from the movie. It was like fake, you know, obviously they had like all the fake like guns that they used and they had like outfits and jackets and costumes and like props and just like all this kind of stuff. They even had like one of the like full size like geishas from the opening sequence of the movie and they had um, like Scarlett Johansson, her, her like thermoptic suit that she wears. They had like three different versions of them that were What, what is the name of this website? What is this called? Um, the one that I use, I think is called like PropAuction.com or something like that. Um, give me like, like, are these guys like like thieves, or are they like somehow working with the studios to offload this shit? No, it, like, it's like work? legit. Like they they must have some kind of deal with the studios because they have like it's like licensed stuff from the from the movie productions. It's not some weird like eBay seller that's just like selling right, 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 shit. right, right. Um, yeah, the one that I think it's called propstore.com is the one, I'm sure there's several different kinds, but that's the one that I, um, that I've been looking, uh, okay, or that I've okay. been using. And so what I didn't realize is that sometimes they'll do multiple auctions for one production. So they did a second Ghost in the Shell auction that ended last week. And because I don't know if they're going to do a third one, like I have no idea how much shit they have left from the movie. So I was kind of like watching it like a hawk like while I was at work and like because they they put it on for about I think it's like a week or two period where you can bid over this period of time and like and there's probably about 300 or so items in each auction and they like stagger down so not everything clears at once so like say if you bid on like this jacket and then you don't get it like maybe there's another version of the jacket that'll expire an hour later so you can kind of like bid down on stuff rather than like placing a million bids at once and then hoping you get them and whenever the bids are live um they whenever they're going to expire there's like a real-time countdown next to every single item and whenever if you place a high bid within the last 60 seconds of the item um being sold the counter resets for another minute so it kind of oh, like yeah it kind of stops like, like sniping and stuff at the very end right yeah so it like gives it kind of gives everybody like a fair chance instead of everybody just like spamming the bid button you know with like three seconds left on the clock um and then praying to god that you're the one that gets in yeah <laughs> I, hate, I hate that dude i don't do ebay much these days but back when i did that drove me fucking insane so that sounds like a really good feature yeah it was definitely really nice and so there were like i had like a wish list of stuff that i was interested in buying and um and I guess, like, really, like, super-duper long story short, um, I there were, like, a couple of, like, prop pistols that I was interested in because they had, like, pistols and, like, assault rifles and, like, all this kind of stuff that was, like, super cool. And they had, like, Saito, who's, like, the sniper in Section 9 and Ghost in the Shell. Like, his sniper rifle was on... Um, was uh, up for auction and everything. And so there were, like, a couple of pistols that I was interested in. And, like, I bid on one, and I ended up winning it. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my Whoa. God. And then I bid on another one. And I was like, okay, well, I already have one. Like, do I really need to bid on the other one? And, like, I told of myself. Of course you do. Of, of course, course you I do. do. Of course I do. And I told myself <clears throat> that, like, if the price got to a certain point that I was going to, like, pull out and I wasn't going to bid. And then it only went, like, $25 higher than my mark. So I was like, okay, I'll just bid once. And if it goes any higher than this, I won't. And then I bid with, like, 30 seconds left, and the clock resets, and it counts back down. And I won that, too. So Oh, snap, dude. Yeah, so I'm kind of, like, embarrassed about how much money I spent on these prop guns for this auction. But I have secured two production Ghost in the Shell pistols. One is foam, which is probably going to be really lame. But the other mm. one is, like, a resin, so it'll be, like, an actual, like, kind of, like, plasticky prop. Um 
I, that they have not shipped yet. They're supposed to ship within the next week and then get here, I guess. Um, but wow, I can... that is exciting. So a couple questions spring to mind. Yes. So number one, tell me offline how much these cost because I'm very curious. Don't Do tell you, it on the air. You don't want me to tell you on the air. I mean, if you're comfortable, I figured, you know, some people, you know, get uncomfortable about that. I wasn't going to put you on the spot. I mean, feel free to share if you want to, but don't feel the pressure. Um, well, I'll just go ahead and say it. And when I, I mean, shame on me, because to be frank, this like went on my credit card because I don't have a lot. Oh, of, no. But wait, wait, wait. We went. had the credit card talk a million times ago. Did we, you buy something on your credit card, Corey? Uh, I mean, this stuff and that's it. Oh, young uh, man. I mean, you... this is this is like a once in a lifetime thing, Brad. <laughs> All right. How much was it? <laughs> Uh, well, with both guns put together, with the bids that I put, and the auction fee, and shipping, it's, you know, just, like, no big deal. Like, $600, nothing major. Oh, thank know. God, dude. That's, okay, I was expecting a way higher number. I was like, oh, my God, I was bracing myself. Okay, that's, that's, I mean, that's a lot of money, that's but that's not, money. like, <laughs> but that's not, like, I went bankrupt money. That's not... That's not, we got divorced money, you know, that's just like, uh, that's okay. Okay. That's, I was, I was expecting a lot more. So I'm really glad that it wasn't more than that. So, okay. Whew. Good. I can go to sleep all at night knowing that you're not going to dead over prop guns. Or you will, you will sleep Let's better go. than I do. Cause I was pretty nervous when I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And, but, uh, I mean, but the cool thing is that the store lets you do, um, like a payment plan if you want. So you can do like a three month payment plan. So even though I put oh, it on okay. my credit card, I'm still doing the payment plan, even though it doesn't really matter. Um, but if you would like a fun, let's do a fun little trivia piece before we move off of this. Or actually, hold on. Do you have more questions before I... I do have more questions. Okay. Hold on to your trivia. All right. Uh, so do you know if these pieces were actually filmed or were they just used for like, you know, pre-production or like were any of these things actually on camera? Um, there is a description in each item that tells you and pretty almost everything... <clears throat> that I saw on the store was in the movie. Like I could see it on the screen for a bit and I thought, yeah, that was definitely in the movie. But like some okay. of the stuff, like there are a handful of things where they had like, you know, like one of the pistols I bought, for instance, they had like probably like five versions of them on sale in this in this auction. So like, yeah, maybe like one of them was being held by like the guy in the very back background of the frame or something, but it was still right, like probably right, right. on the screen. But there are a handful of things that weren't. Like there were these like, samurai sword things that were on that were in auction and i was like i kept thinking to myself like i do not remember those in the movie like where was it just like one random dude in the background that had them when i clicked on the item it clearly said like they were used in like pre-product or like they were used to film a fight scene but like the scene got cut from the movie or something like that so uh, okay um, yeah that's what yeah okay i was wondering i was wondering about that because i know a lot of times there's a bunch of stuff made but then only a small percentage actually makes it on film so that was interesting that they tell you that's really cool actually so, okay, right on, right on. And third thing, not really a question, but send me some pictures of that shit when you get it because I want to see what it looks like. <laughs> I will definitely do that. I'm sure I'll be posting them on Twitter trying to make myself look like a really cool guy with my fake Ghost in the Shell pistols. You got you to gotta totally do get in your bisexual lighting studio. You put on some sunglasses. Get that the, uh, the blinds that you had set up the other day and, like, totally do, like, one of those, like, Terminator, like, you know, like, you know that iconic that was oh on the cover God, of, like, the... Oh, my God, I can't do that. Dude, that would be badass. That would be so fucking cool. You have your movie prop gun? Close that thing up. That would be sweet as oh hell. Oh, my God. You're giving me ideas right now. This is there you go. Write it down, dude. I want to see that photo. Fuck. When that thing arrives, post it. <clears throat> oh, my God. Okay, so I have a tiny bit of trivia for you. Yes, trivia. Okay, so <clears throat> um, there are, as you might expect, several 
um, items in the auction that maybe people want more than others. And if you, let me see if I can, I'm trying to look on the story now. The, um, so her, the Scarlett Johansson or major, uh, her thermoptic suit that she wears in the movie, which was the much buzzed about like skin tight, sort of flesh toned paneled sure. outfit. Yeah, yeah. Um, they sold multiple <clears throat> versions of that over both auctions. If you had to guess how much the most recent one sold for in the auction, what would you guess? Well, I guess it depends on did she wear it, and if she did wear it, did it get washed or not? Because if it was worn <laughs> and if it's unwashed, that will go for a higher price, guaranteed. <laughs> uh, I think everything was worn. I don't know if it that did not clarify if it was washed or not. I guarantee you, people will pay more if it smells like old ScarJo sweat. That oh will God, that will bring yeah. in a higher percentage. Just true, <laughs> true fact, dude. That's the way the internet works, bro. Uh, smell factor is a thing. Uh, so, so I have literally no idea. I mean, I want to say, I don't know, uh, 2000 bucks maybe. Mm, nope. More? Way more. Oh shit. Really? Okay. 10,000. <laughs> They've got some fucking hardcore perms out there on the internet, dude. Uh, how much? 24, $24,600. Oh my God. What? That is Dude, dude. $24,000 for one of her that thermoptic is, suits. That is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Holy shit. I mean, I bet they're crappy, too, because stuff that looks really good on camera, when you get up close to it, it looks really shitty and lame a lot of times. Um, I bet those things look like trash up close in real life, but holy cow, <laughs> I can't imagine paying that much money. Wow. Yeah. That so blew me away. That it was like wild to watch as the auction was going <clears throat> to just see the counter keep resetting like every minute and it would just go up because they do it metered where like I think if it's between like $100 and $500 every bid I think has to be like $25 more. But once you get to like the thousands, I think every bid has to be like either 50 or $100 or something like that. So like every time it would just reset and it would go like up by 500 and up by 500 and up by 500 right, and i was like right. oh my god who like when Jesus. is this gonna bottom out and yeah so that Jesus. one ended up going for like almost twenty five thousand dollars. that is re-fucking-diculous <laughs> dude that is ridiculous i would not pay that much money for an old sweaty leotard that scarlett johansson wore one time like, yeah, i'm you know, keeping you know. like my fingers crossed that it's some sort of like museum fund that bought it you know for like you know what's the science museum in seattle like something like that where they have like movie props and stuff like oh yeah the museum of uh the mopop museum yeah yeah, yeah. like i keep like i I don't know because obviously they don't disclose like who wins them but in the back of my mind i keep thinking like god i really hope it's like a museum and not some like fat sweaty neck beard who just wants to like there you go the scarlett johansson there you go oh my god there you go I think you are closer with the second guess than you are with the first. But uh, anyway, the internet. Hooray. The internet. <laughs> so segueing off that for a second, I did. I actually wasn't going to talk about this, but now that you talked about Ghost in the Shell, I wanted to ask you. So I know, I know you're a big fan of uh, Ghost in the Shell. Does that transfer to other properties as well? Because uh, James Cameron's Battle Angel is out now. Are you a fan of that property or of, of that at all? Or what's your take on that? I had never heard of it until I saw the first trailer for it that came out probably like, I don't know, like six or ten months ago or something. And, like, the reviews seem to be very mixed about the movie because the embargo went up. And, like, I'm just not, like, I hadn't heard of it, so I'm not, like, you know, coming to it as a fan. But I'm still undecided on if I want to go see it or not. Because on one hand, I'm like, oh, it's probably like a fun, you know, cybernetic romp. But on the other hand, I'm like... 
the movie's like 80% CGI and I'm just not really sure if I'm like up for that. And like the reviews aren't necessarily like pushing me in the direction, but that is a good connection though, because pretty much everything I read about Battle Angel, I keep thinking like, wow, this sounds like exactly like Ghost in the Shell, but just like slightly different. And, you know, you'd think that would make me want to see it more, but maybe I just feel so loyal to Ghost in the Shell that I'm like, Ugh, I don't want to go see that. Well, it's just interesting because I wasn't sure if you were kind of like, you know, scanning all those anime manga stuff from back then, or was it just the one thing about Ghost in the Shell? Because, you know, like, like I'm old enough to say I remember when, like, anime first came to America, like, in a big way, when manga first got here. Like, I was uh, into that, you know, into the scene where it emerged, and so I remember when people were like, oh, what's this? What's this weird comic book from Japan. What's this all about? What's this weird movie from Japan? Like, I remember when it wasn't a thing. And I know that people today are probably, they probably have no idea, like, that there ever was a time when that wasn't a common thing and a popular thing. But it was. Like, it was super niche back in the day. Uh, I remember when it first came, it was limited to, like, college campuses because people had bootleg films. And so they were just, <laughs> like, get together and you'd go in, like, some weird dusty room in the back of a uh, building when no class was going on and there'd be, like, movies being shown there. I worked at a comic shop. I managed a comic shop at that time. And so we were getting the first wave of stuff being offered. And we were like, what is this all about? We've never seen comics like this before. And uh, maybe we'll take a chance. Maybe we won't. We get some stuff in. And uh, Battle Angel was one of the first uh, comics that we ever ordered. Like, it was really back in the day. I believe it was Dark Horse that put it out. And I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I read as much of the series as I could get my hands on. I really got into it. I love the art style, very kinetic art style. Uh, a lot of the action uh, was really exciting. Uh, just I thought it was great. And so I never, I actually never really got into Ghost in the Shell because for whatever reason, it just never really popped up on my radar. I was, I was reading other manga at the time. I was watching other anime at the time. And just Ghost in the Shell just never was the big one or the popular one where I was. Um, so, I mean, I was wondering, like, if, you know, maybe, like, in your area, Ghost in the Shell is more popular, but you didn't get into Battle Angel or you didn't get into the other ones that were around at the time. So I think maybe we just fell on different sides of the anime spectrum. But I was a huge Battle Angel fan. Still have the original comic books and stuff. And when I first heard whispers that it was maybe becoming a movie, like, I mean, like a decade ago, like, it's been in production or at least has been a thing people have been talking about for, like, it seems like a long time, like, at least 10 years I was like, whoa, that's going to be crazy. How's it even going to work? That's nuts. And, you know, apparently it kept getting pushed back and pushed back for various reasons. But I think, like, kind of like you said, a big reason it got delayed was because so much of the movie would be impossible to make with practical effects. Like, it just wouldn't work the way that you needed it to. But now that CG is such a thing, you know, James Cameron thought, oh, this is my moment. I'm going to make this happen now. And I got to say, as someone who has been a Battle Angel fan for, like, since the beginning of it being available in America, I'm looking at the trailers and I'm like, just like not excited and I just don't <laughs> want to go see it. And I'm just like, mm, I don't know, man. I mean, you would think I'd be the day one dude in line um, dragging the family to go see this. And I just don't have enthusiasm for it. Um, I think part of it is I've kind of fallen out of love with James Cameron, especially as he's gotten older and a little bit more eccentric. I think he's become more of an asshole and I just don't really want to support him that much anymore. Um, especially after reading some interviews with stuff he's done. He just seems like a real dick. Um, and then, I mean, I got to be just real fucking honest with you, dude. Like, in the trailers, like, okay, so, like, anime is drawn a certain way. I mean, you know, there's a whole history of it. I am not an expert on it. I mean, you can do, like, a PhD on anime and why it, why it is the way it is, what it means, what the styles mean. I mean, there's, like, all sorts. It's like, a you know, an art form unto itself. 
totally legitimate. I respect it that way. Like, it's got its own rules, etc., etc. But, like, you know, like, when you look at a, a picture of Battle Angel from the manga, and she's drawn, you know, with the big eyes and the, the small face that comes to, like, a little point and stuff, it's like, okay, that's an art style. That is an art style that this uh, the artist chose to, to do. Great. But, like, when I look at the trailer of Battle Angel and I see her fucking weird-ass giant <laughs> anime eyes... <laughs> I'm like, dude, it's not supposed to look like that. That You don't do that when you, it looks fucking weird. And I just, I don't think that's what the artist intended. I don't think that's how this would have come to fruition if they were involved. I don't know if they are involved. Maybe they are involved. I don't think they are. But if they are, I just, it, it seems to me like James Cameron is making his anime fantasies come true on screen for himself. And I'm like, this, it just looks wrong and it looks bad and it looks weird. And I know that thema, I've had this discussion a few times with people. And people are like, well, you know, in the story of Battle Angel, her being alien and being other is a part of the story because she is a cyborg from a couple hundred years ago. And of course, she doesn't look the way that modern cyborg. I'm like, yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Yes. Yes. But I just, I just don't feel like that's what's going on here. I just feel like this was weird fucking some dude who's got the money to make his anime fantasy come true. He chose to do that. And we're all just along for the ride. And I just feel weird about the whole thing. And I just... I mean, maybe I'll rent it when it hits, like, iTunes or something. I just, I, I don't think I'm going to drag myself out to the theater to see it. I just feel too weird about it. <laughs> feel too, too weird about it. Like, it's some, like, weird guilty pleasure thing or something. I mean, some kind of weird pervy pleasure thing or something. I mean, I just look at that and I just go, dude, that is not, oh, that's not what it's supposed to look like. That's not, you're being a freak, James Cameron. You're being a freak. Put your junk away and just do that in the privacy of your home. Do not put it on on screen for everybody. So, oh my god, I don't know. This is weird. This is weird. So, anyway, <laughs> didn't know if there was crossover there. No, if not, no big deal. We're gonna move on. We're gonna move on. I did want to talk about a movie I just watched with the wife. Though this is my last piece of banter, actually. So, if you got anything else, feel free to unroll it after this. But uh, the wife and I had a rare evening where we were both awake and we were both, you know, up for something and spending a little time together. Uh, very rare these days because we're just so busy. And I'm like, oh, I want to watch a movie. And we decided on Looper with um, Bruce Willis and that other younger guy who Gordon, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Have you seen this movie? I've seen it twice, as a matter of fact. Okay, good. Okay, good. Um, So I had never seen it before. I had heard about it. And I'd heard fairly favorable things about it. And, you know, it was was, uh, up for, I think it cost just as much to buy as it did to rent so i'm like okay fine we're gonna buy it we'll watch it when we have time uh, a couple nights ago was that time and for people who don't know this is the story i'm gonna probably mangle this but like <laughs> joseph gordon levitt is a guy who kills people he's an assassin but the tr- the hook to this is that it's people from the future who are sending people to the past to be killed because if they are killed in the past there is no evidence left because they are vanished from the future. So that's kind of what he's doing as a job. And what happens is he, his future self, Jordan, what, what the fuck is his name? Joseph Gordon. <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt's future self is played, sorry, he's played by Bruce Willis. And so Bruce Willis gets sent back. It's himself 30 years later, and he's supposed to kill himself to like solve time paradoxes or something like that. Like he needs to kill himself eventually. But he doesn't kill himself. And so it creates all these problems fucks with the timeline, and then there's this other element to it, which is, um, I'm not going to spoil too much of it, because I didn't know about this whole other thing, but basically that's the gist. Uh, It was really interesting. I mean, I like sci-fi that really 
looks at things in a perspective that's not just about um, explosions and special effects. And so I felt like they did take more than five minutes to think about the storyline. Um, seeing the two of them together and like how they were interacting was really interesting. And like the choices that future guy was making, how it related to how the present guy was living and then how they kind of interplayed on each other. I thought it was just really fascinating. And the way that they kind of like had this feedback loop of like what one guy did influenced the other, some more directly, some indirectly, just in terms of like how he's thinking or how he's feeling. And I mean, it just was like way more serious and way more thoughtful than I thought it was going to be. Um, not a perfect film. I mean, you know, like any time travel movie, uh, you know, as my wife so astutely uh, uh, observed, if you think about any time travel movie too hard, like they all kind of fall apart because just, you know, <laughs> the paradoxes. But I felt like this one was better than most. And I felt like it really took the time. And by the time it got to the end, it had an ending that I felt really good about and really satisfied with. And it just was like a like a way better and like slightly deeper movie than I was expecting. So I, I really liked it a lot. What did you think of it? I want to <clears throat> point out that you're leaving out. I'm not going to spoil anything, but I I believe that you're leaving out two important details here that I want to clarify, not clarify, but just all right. Put it well, in I'm, I'm trying to avoid spoilers in case anybody sees this. Is it something that's going to spoil people? This, or is, is, it... this is nothing that's going to spoil people. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, because I, I probably may go. Go ahead, you've seen it. All right, one of the details is that Emily Blunt has a surprise turn in this movie as this like bad bitch, like Southern farm woman. And yeah. she has like a shotgun. She's been in two time travel movies now. Yeah. Like, it's like her subgenre. The Emily Blunt <laughs> time travel movie is like a whole genre unto itself. <laughs> and the other detail that you're leaving out, or maybe you did on purpose, or maybe it doesn't matter, but I'm going to say it here anyway, is that this movie right. was written and directed by the same guy who wrote and directed uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi that came out oh, yeah. like, Ryan, two years ago. Ryan, Ryan Johnson. Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he would, this was sort of like, because he made a movie called uh, Brick that also had Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and it was kind of like... I, yeah, I saw that. Did you see that one? Yeah, I have seen it, yes. Um, it's very interesting. It's like a, like, kind of like a hard-boiled mystery, but it's all high schoolers. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's a strange film. It's a very strange film. Yes, but it's very good. And then uh, this was his follow-up to that, uh, Looper, and then he went on to make... Uh, Star Wars after this. So, I mean, talk about a fucking career trajectory and a half right there. Yeah, dude. He's doing great, dude. I mean, he's three for three as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely... I mean, you can tell just from what he's worked on and knowing that he, like, writes and directs all of his own movies, he's incredibly, like like smart and introspective and like oh, he yeah. just thinks his stuff out really well. Um, but yeah, I liked uh, Looper. I haven't seen it in a long time. I think the last time I watched it was probably like four or five years ago. Um because it's one of those movies that I think like, oh, yeah, that came out like a year ago and it was really like eight years ago or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally, dude. Totally. Um, it gets worse as you get older, trust me. <laughs> but, yeah, I liked it. Um, I remember enjoying it at the time and I remember watching it with my mom and my brother. I think when I went home for like Christmas or something, that was the second time I saw it. Um, but, yeah, it's good. I mean, pretty much everything you said and more, though maybe this perhaps the strangest thing about the film not any of the time travel not any of the time looping stuff but it's the fact that joseph gordon levitt has weird eye prosthetics for the entire movie to make him look yeah. like bruce willis and it's very strange that was strange that was strange i mean I'm, I'm i'm glad they did it because you know if you squint it does kind of look like okay maybe that's what bruce willis looked like 30 years ago sort of they had to do something because it would it just wouldn't have worked if they didn't look like each other um, so I'm glad they did something, but yeah, it was it was 
pretty strange, <laughs> if, especially if you know what he looks like without the makeup on. Yes, definitely. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you liked it because I think that's, I mean, it was pretty popular at the time and it was definitely like before people really knew who Ryan Johnson was and now it's totally, like totally. nearly a household name. So um, yeah. yeah, very good movie. Yeah, it's very good. I feel really lucky because we, we watched Looper. That was really good. I think the last sci-fi movie me and my wife watched was Upgrade, which was also excellent. Did you see that yet? I still have not seen it. Fuck, that is a good-ass movie, dude. That is a good movie. So we got really lucky, and I'll just to throw this in really quickly. A couple weeks ago, I had a night where I wasn't doing anything, and I'm like, oh, my God, I don't have to do anything. This is so bizarre. I'm going to just watch a movie. And I watched Death Race, which was on Netflix, but it's not the old one. Uh, I think Roger Corman did the original one, and he did an update, too, and they were uh, terrible. I, I'm not, I don't know if I'm a Roger Corman fan or not. I can't, honestly can't tell you. Um, but this was one... I forget who the director was, but it starred the English guy. What is the English guy's name? The transporter. What's his name? Jason Statham. Yes, he was in that. And it's just like what you would think Death Race is about. He (laughs) drives cars in the kind of a prison system. They do a pay-per-view thing. Basically Twisted Metal, the movie. Literally (laughs) Twisted Metal, the movie, dude. Uh, So I'm not going to recommend it as something that's great sci-fi, but if you want something that's just like shit getting blown up and Jason Statham cracking a few jokes and cool cars with machine guns strapped to the hood, like it totally fit the bill of what I was in the mood for at that time. Like I thought it was, it was great, like B minus level, you know, sci-fi kind of trash, but it was good for what it was. Like if you're in the mood for that, uh, I believe it's still on Netflix and I think it's really good. I tried the other ones um, that Roger Corman was involved in and I was like, nah, I'm not any time on these but that one was a good one um trashy trashy good good trash whatever it's trashy goodness <laughs> so thumbs up to that one you haven't seen that by any chance have you i have definitely not and i probably never will i didn't think you would but if you ever find yourself in the mood for trashy jason statham running dudes over with a machine gun spiked car that is certainly the thing to go watch so <laughs> that's all i got man you got anything else uh i have told my stories and i think i am all dried of banter for this week all right cool sounds good i say we wrap it up and uh start talking about some games uh yeah let's talk about some games let's talk about some games